Drummer. Welcome, everyone. It is episode 340 of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I am Ben Magnet. I am back from my trip from the fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Did I win things? As a matter of fact, yeah, I did. I not only won the greatest grift of all, friendship, but also I won some money that I uh, was able to put away for my Japan trip coming up next year, which I probably had to take out because my freaking car got towed last week, and I'm still pissed about that. But anyways, enough about me and my personal horrible finances. I'm here with my bros, Brandon T. McClure, Sparks Woody, and Ryan Eliopoulos to talk about some new stuff, some strike updates, and video games because games comments this weekend and we got a lot of bread and butter to talk about so my friends my awesome gentlemen how are you what's up i missed you guys ben that was perfect yeah. it took me it was just long enough for me to finish eating that sandwich i was i was chewing for 45 minutes thank <laughs> he had you to, he had to get a swallow on. oh my god it was a dry sandwich it's so long to, to chew so thank you ben i'm happy to be here ben normally mm-hmm. When people talk about financial troubles, it is not to say it is not immediately followed by "I'm going to Japan next year." Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I love how many trips you go on, uh, even though it is excessive. Says, user says Brandon, I'm poor, but I'm going on a cruise at Christmas. I didn't pay a cent for that cruise. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, he 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 pays for these trips. I'm jealous. I wish, I wish I could I could actually afford to go on a cruise. Like that'd be, that'd be great. I'd love to go on on a, on a on a cruise without a shit ton of family that I don't care about. Oh, I hope they don't watch I, this. I wish everybody could afford to just you know live in like a pleasant way. Yeah. Uh, the new job I'm at is a uh, uh, in contract negotiations for a hell of a lot more money, and I'm kind of excited about it. See if it happens. Oh, hot labor summer. Be yeah, baby. Hot labor summer. Uh, all right, yeah, we're we're talking about some things. We're talking about a lot of things today. Um, uh, look, as always, guys, you know, if you're if you're here for some of the some of the news of the week of like movies and TV shows and things, go find a different podcast because we are still uh, going to withhold that news until the strikes are over. Um, and we're not going to do like a. I was thinking about this. I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we did like a a, ra- a wrap up at the end of the strikes? And I was like, ah, oh, that'd be too much because this is not ending anytime soon. No. Um, but, yeah. Uh, uh, no, we can't. Like, it won't no. be the point. Yeah, it'd be impossible. It's too much work. Um. So but we do have some links in the description, though, that I'll talk about before we get into, uh, before we get into our weekly roundup. Such as, um, I will speak on an article that I put up for Atomic Geekdom. Thank you, Atomic Geekdom, once again for letting me write for you guys. Uh, it's been a little bit, but I wrote about the new uh, Digimon release date releases that are coming out we talked about the last episode that we were on a couple weeks ago um the digimon movies coming to blu-ray for the first time um i so i wrote wrote about that and kind of speculated like what could be coming up next and it was a lot of fun to do i got another article coming up i think uh tomorrow time of this recording that's i'm excited about cool um then i will speak on actually i'm not going to speak on it because i want ben to speak on the fact that Ben, congratulations on the mid-season finale of DN Dark. Thank mm-hmm. you. And congratulations to the entire cast and crew of DN Dark, including Dan Jers, Grayson Norman, who was our who was a friend of the show, and everyone else. Um, we we uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say greatly enjoyed that show. Thank you. Well, thankfully, um, 
Oh, God, I, I was about to say something. Why the heck does my brain do this sometimes? Yeah, it's the midseason. Like we said, it's the midseason finale. There's still more Dean Dark coming. Right now, our return date is October 13th, I believe. I think that's the Wednesday. It's. I do know for a fact that we're going to be doing stuff in October, and all of us are going to get back and start recording more stuff. And I'm just glad y'all liked it. Um, how'd you feel about that emotional gut punch that was the finale? Don't spoil it. Yeah, I'm no not going to talk about it without. Yeah. No, just say like in broad strokes. It's like good, bad, and you cried, oh, you wept. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's a good show. I didn't, it didn't suddenly become bad, I promise you. All right. Well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll answer Ben's question uh, in earnest, uh, which is that I... I was really impressed uh, with, with the show in general. I thought it was very fun. Um, the finale went in directions that I didn't expect. And that's kind of the fun of a Dungeons and Dragons podcast because the dice are, are dictating your moves. Um, I think the way Dan edits the show is very, um, is very um, interesting and keeps the, keeps it flowing really nicely. Um, the decisions that he was making that you were making all very fun. And you guys really came together in this moment. It's very chaotic, which is something I really appreciated. Um, took, took directions that I just didn't expect. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I really enjoyed listening to that show. and uh, I can't wait for it to return. Yeah. I can't wait to make more, to be perfectly honest that we got some things, uh, a brewing. It's going to be good. It sounds quite, it sounds quite fun to record. Um, yeah i i uh yeah i i really liked it uh the there's the moment at the in the final episode where uh i was cheering in my car on the way home <laughs> um, which i didn't expect to happen but yeah really really enjoyed it so congratulations once again everyone uh on on that show uh episodes 39 and 40 which are the mid-season finale are linked below if you guys are have you guys following and you can catch up um going forward i am going to just link the dn dark website rather than the individual episodes uh, mm -hmm. when the series comes back, because at that point it'll be 40 episodes. Yeah. So if you're not listening at that point, probably just go to the website. Yeah. Right. And also we're currently on a hiatus right now. So, right. So uh, going forward uh, and the link, the link in the description will be for the DN dark website rather than the individual episodes. But for now, 39 and 40 are down there. Lovely. Lovely. As far as our show goes, there's a few things that were that were dropped this week, uh, not this week, but the past couple of weeks. I uh, did not get the latest episode of Conversation out this week. I mentioned it up top, but I did just start a new job. Uh, it took a lot out of me this week. It was um, just a, a workflow I, ha I haven't done in three years, um, so my body was just not used to it. Um, but I'm excited to kind of you know be back out in the workforce, and it was a, it was a fun job so far. So I'm 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 excited to go back. Well. Look forward to going back. I'll say that. Um, and that, but that said, so the only episode of conversation still up is Travis Bow from the Real Comic Heroes podcast, which I mentioned last time on the last episode. If you haven't listened to that episode at this point, uh, it is still linked below. It is linked below. You can check it out uh, and get ready for the next episode, which will be this week. Um, I have some time this week that I can work on it. Um, that said, however. I will say that Space Marine Arcade Mortal Kombat X came out. Whoa, what what year is it? Uh 2013. Yeah. Uh the, the final part of Mortal Kombat X. Uh, we've been holding it for quite a while. Um I think how many parts were there in total? Five. Do you guys remember? Five. This is part five. Yeah. 
the part five, uh, so parts one through four ha have been released at this point, and if you've been eagerly awaiting the finale, it is there now. And the reason is because we are releasing Mortal Kombat 11 soon. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, it's all mostly recorded, so like, hopefully, it's rhythm. <laughs> I really yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> With, it's as Ryan said, it's mostly recorded, so, and I also really enjoyed doing that. And uh, uh, check out so more check out Mortal Kombat X, and then uh, stay tuned for Mortal Kombat 11. Should be a lot of fun. And yeah. eventually, one the ball's rolling. Oh yeah, we're here, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm sad for one. We're I have here. I have uh, uh, through completely legal means. Um, I have now every single Mortal Kombat game ever made. So I'm think I'm going to before one go through all the story modes again. Uh, nice. Because specifically, one has a lot of the uh, 3D era uh, deception, deadly alliance, sure. deadly alliance characters, uh, like Shujinko, who is the guy who is the customizable character who can have any anybody's uh, moves. You can create basically your own custom Mortal Kombat character. Uh, so I'm really excited. Uh, even though that's not my week, I'm just I'm excited about Mortal Kombat. I'm excited we're all here. Are you gonna stream that? Or are we gonna make that? Part of releases, get a whole Mortal Kombat. I mean, thing there's on. no, we nobody has. And when you say that. like you've got them all, do you have like, is it just like the main titles, or are we talking like you got Shaolin monks, you got, yeah, boy, <laughs> Shaolin monks, <laughs> Mortal Kombat, I have it. I really like Shaolin monks. I still own Shaolin monks. I think it's a good game. Oh, excuse me. Um, there's a lot of yelling. <clears throat> there's a lot of yelling involved in my in my new job. So my throat is a little hoarse today um let's see how about fickner book club uh as we mentioned before uh, the fickner book club is on the bi-weekly schedule uh currently uh on the fickner book club feed but the latest episode is up now uh and you can find it in the description below and that is my pick which was shield uh by john hickman and dustin weaver architects of forever um so if you want to hear us talk about that book much in the, it's the same kind of kind of discussion if you were a long time listener of the show uh or watcher of the show is that is that but on its own feed uh, so you can check that out now. That was a lot of fun. I like that book quite a bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did anyone read the sequel yet? Peter. Yeah, I finished the whole the whole thing. Yeah, how, I haven't had a chance to. It was good. Yeah, um, it's it's rushed. Uh, like it rushes the narrative, um, because of just the context of how they were had to put it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's good. There's a key. There's a key piece of information you get in issue seven i'm pretty sure so immediately mm -hmm. after where we left off that is like boy uh this should have been known in volume one it would have like recontextualized our whole one conversation of the, one of the problems that we had in volume one is immediately solved in the next issue yeah um, interesting uh it it like completely refocuses what the story is about um and it sh should have come up sooner mm -hmm. uh well i'm looking forward to that I'm trying to read that this week and this week while i have the time Finally, as far as this show goes, Ben and I have hijacked Animation Station. Choo choo! Um, we have taken the we have taken the steam engine. Sparks is it a steam engine? I mean, I was I was driving it this week, but I don't remember. Was it a steam? You engine? You tell me, you've stolen it before. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have. Ben and I have stolen Animation Station from Sparks to talk about the Digimon Adventure Try series. Um, MS Station is a show that would normally be on hiatus at this point due to the strikes, but because uh, of the fact that Digimon is a is a foreign project, we were able to talk about it, and I was really excited too because it uh, it gave me an opportunity to talk about a, a series of films that I quite enjoyed. Um, and Ben, so the first episode is in the description below uh, is Digimon Adventure Tri Reunion as part one. Determination, right, Ben? That's yep. two. Mm -hmm. Determination is uh, two. 
that's coming up soon and we're going to keep the ball rolling up until the last evolution kazuna which is the final digimon adventure film so look for a couple more animation stations as far as that those are concerned really enjoyed doing that i really liked uh, digimon adventure try uh reunion i was a little softer on so i don't have a lot of positive things to say about that one because it's kind of clearly a hodgepodge like we we this was clearly supposed to be a tv series and then they just kind of slammed two episodes together and said and called it a day um but determination i'm excited for that one to release because i really enjoyed that movie mm-hmm. so you were softer on the last one but you're probably going to be harder on the next one yeah that's that there you go i'm just i'm just i'm just laying down the sticks you've built here so that's all <laughs> that's all that's all that's all. um yeah i uh ben did you enjoy going back to the world of digimon adventure oh of course i did I mean, Digimon, like, as much as Pokemon is a big part of my life, Digimon is also, I would say, an equally big part because that was one of the shows that my brother and I would wake up early at the crack of dawn on Saturday mornings. We would, we had set schedules of, like, what what to watch on what station. We would watch a show on KSWB, switch over to Fox 11, and we'd watch some shows. that, man. Yeah, we watched Fox Kids, and then Mm -hmm. once it was done, it was like, okay, what else is there to watch? And then, like, it's like the stuff before and after our main event, which was Digimon or Pokemon, was just gravy. And you still never watch Cubics, the Rubik's Cube robot show. <laughs> um, so as mentioned, Digimon Adventure Try is the sequel to Digi- Digimon Adventure Zero Two that features the uh, original Digidestined kids, so Ty, Matt, Izzy, and all of them, uh, and and things like that. Uh, two has one of my favorite Digimon ever, Leomon, which was really great to talk about. But yeah. Omnimon shows up at the first one, so you can't fault it too much. Um, so please check out that first that first discussion. Uh, as I said, we were going to be going through the entire the, all the Digimon films, and the goal it, when it comes out is to talk about Digimon Adventure Zero Two, the beginning, the upcoming film coming out in October. So a lot of Digimon coming your way. Did, did. Um, finally, in the description below, this is not towards this is not about us. This is about the WGA and SAG-AFTRA union strikes. Um, they are linked. All the links that have been there before are still there, including what we will be talking about today, later on in the news, uh, the proposal that the AMPTP has given the WGA to make a deal on. Um, that that A comprehensive look at what that is, because I, there's a lot of legal jargon that we're just not going to be able to get into and things like that. We'll talk about it in broad strokes, but if you want to read the language that is written in that, in that proposal, that is linked below. Um, and that'll do it for the link. So who, so let's. Why don't we get into our weekly roundup? And uh, uh, Ben, how about you go first? Because I'm sure you want to talk about your Vegas trip. Yes. Real quick, how hot was it? It was actually around 100 degrees almost the entire oh. time. Oh, you know, just a not, not, 100. Not oh. the entire time. It cooled off a little bit in the evening, but of course, it's Las Vegas. We were on the strip most of the time, so yeah. we weren't out in the elements a whole lot. I mean, every time we did go outside, we all, me and the rest of the bachelor party, we were like, eh. but then, of course, luckily our car's AC just kicked on almost immediately. But it, it was, I mean, look, it's it's Las Vegas in the desert in the middle of August. What do you expect? We knew. What I we just were wanted. Doing. I just wanted to know if it was above or below 100. That's what I was wondering. It was about. It, it was like 199 around there. So. It look, it was expected, oh, but thankfully, <laughs> I, I know what you said, but it sounded like yeah. you were saying 199. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like we're we're dead. Uh, did you see the Did you see the news broadcast, the weather broadcaster that had the typo on someone's oh, yeah, on the yeah, map? Yeah, yeah. Like it was like eleven thousand degrees, eleven hundred degrees, and it's like this place is dead. These what happened, dead. What's happening in Melbourne? <laughs> No, I think that was I think that was like a town, a suburb of Dallas or something where there's like these guys are all dead. Oh uh, yeah, I have seen that clip. But yeah, Vegas was awesome. The main thing I really want to talk about is my is my my new favorite video game bar of all time, Player One Video Game Bar, which is about ten minutes off the strip. And this place is freaking awesome. I've talked about it with you guys before. Um, I know I'm going to talk about it later in like a pause menu episode, but I freaking love this place. So to get so it's kind of like Lost Levels in a way, but it's not. As in, there's it's a it's a Las obviously it's a bar. You it's a Las Vegas bar. You have to be over twenty one to enter because with Las Vegas law, you you can't let minors inside. But the cover charge for Californians, Arizonans, and Las Vegas locals is only five dollars, whereas everyone else is eight dollars. Not a bad cover charge, but it but almost all the arcade games are set to free play, and mm-hmm. they also have a whole bunch of consoles, like classic consoles on the wall with flash carts so you have a huge library of games to play already and there's a bunch of modern consoles hooked up to tvs along the bar and in a separate area where you could just sit down and play consoles and that's like the only i think you have to charge to they charge you to rent out a controller i'm not 100 sure i didn't i didn't do that because i just used the controllers that they had at the bar top but they have a very great collection of classic arcade games. I'm talking from stuff from the ninth, from the eighties, even the seventies, up to the nineties. They had Marvelous Capcom two. They had classes like Donkey Kong, and they even had like a little, a few other just like fun art, fun uh, like like they had a foosball table and a um a table hockey. Uh, they had table hockey as well, and the whole atmosphere is just great. Um. I walk in a bunch of the bartenders. They were dressed up in cosplay. They had we had a guy dressed up like uh, Akatsuki from Naruto, uh, Raccoon City Police Department, Captain America, and even the bar top itself. The entire bar top is just one big timeline of video games, starting all the way from the early seventies and ending with the Nintendo Switch because that's all they had room for. And awesome. it's detailed. I mean, there's so many different games and the drinks there. My favorite drink they have, like the personal like their own special custom cocktail that they made is called the Mario Kart. And the key ingredient in it is peanut butter whiskey. And it is so good. Peanut butter whiskey is all the rage these days. Yeah. it And it works. It was quite delicious. They also had other drinks. They had something called the Hadouken, which I didn't try, but they also had the supersonic, a peat. Uh, uh, Were they blue? It, was, it wasn't. was It was yellow because it's supersonic. supersonic. Oh, no. The Hadouken. I, I believe the Hadouken was blue. I didn't try it. But I also had a um, like a root beer ta- uh, like a root beer tapper, which was like an alcohol root beer float, essentially. That's cool. And it yeah, the only and they also had like a really good selection of pinball games. That's the only thing that you have to like pay for. But there is a coin machine, and all the pinball games cost fifty cents. So if you have some dollars on you, and you can get changed from the front, and just the whole vibe of the place is just absolutely amazing. There's art everywhere. I mean, like meticulated pixel art where they take these little beads and they make pixel art it's all over the place you got stuff from alien from contra you have all these different video game uh posters just lining the joint up and the whole time like if you saw my instagram when i went when i said i was in heaven i wasn't kidding i was in absolute heaven i was having an absolute blast it was just a fantastic time if you ever go to las vegas 
and you're a big video game nerd like I am, check out Player One Video Game Bar. It truly is a fantastic and fun place to go if you don't want to go to like one, obviously like the super loud clubs or you want to have a good time in Vegas, but you don't want to just do like, you know, the traditional Vegas stuff like like nightclubs and shit like that. If you just want to go have a few, you just want to go have a good time at a really fun bar arcade that's not really far away from the strip. Go to player one. It is fantastic. It is awesome. And also they have like certain nights, like when we went on a Friday night, but during the week they have other, they have video game tournaments throughout the week. And they also have something called Weeb Wednesdays where uh, they have some vendors. They have Pete. And if you show up in a cosplay, they let you in for free. That's pretty dope. This is the origin story of how Ben moves out to Vegas to work at player one. (laughs) (laughs) There's, I've only been to one barcade in my life uh, and I went on a bad date uh to one but it was a really cool place uh it was like it's i think it's on ventura boulevard um mm. but like yeah like any any place that like hey like all the games are free you just have to buy a drink or mm-hmm. buy food or something like that is the greatest thing ever like i yeah. i don't know if i if there will ever is there a barcade bin where like you have to go in every game you actually have to pay for because that seems like nobody would go to that place the, actually i did go to another arcade it was over at area 15 where you did have to pay for all the games was it a, a barcade? barcade or an no, arcade? barcade no it was there was a bar Okay. It was it was a barcade. It was over in Area 15. It was called Asylum. I would still say it was fun. And I mean, you have to like pay for tokens because each of the games cost tokens. Yeah. And like you get the tokens at the bar. Um, the drinks the drink I had was really really good. And apparently, I found the the key to for me being decently good at old retro arcade games is to have some drinks at me because after I had because I played the best game of Galaga <laughs> ever at Asylum. And I had a, a Metroid Margarita in me, and I didn't realize how well I was playing until I was like, "Wait, I set the high score for the day. Ben why am Galga? I good when I'm under? Why am I good when I'm inebriated? Because it gives you confidence and makes them like, hey, man, that's like yeah. people play games and drink and all the time. Uh, Galaga was like the game of choice for my dad and I. Like we played Galaga so much for like so one day I really like I want us to like have a Galaga fight, and like we'll have a drink and then we'll go like three rounds to use the best of Galaga because like I love Galaga. I Player love Galaga one. too, but it's probably you. Yeah, this wow. the the this bar sounds like a place we'd all like to go. Uh, oh, yeah. Smoking or no smoking, then? No smoking. Cool. At least, they, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't see any. No one inside the bar had cigarettes. Um, I, a lot I'm, of places in Vegas that have begun to go non-smoking. Oh yeah, because you can still drink outside. I just feel like that's still kind of like a, Vegas feels like a place that's a little lawless. But I guess even they have to suit up. Well, I think it's yeah. I think it's more of a. So one some mayor or governor was like on a health kick or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm pr- I'm 99 because when I was there, I didn't see any smoke clouds. No one was vaping. I'm pretty sure when I left, I did see some people because if you once you pay, you can have like free entry in and out. You just have to like get like a hand stamp or just let them know. I was like, hey, I'm gonna go outside for a hot second. Um, I'm pretty sure there was people like you know vaping or or something, but in inside the bar itself, I'm 99 percent sure it was not smoking. The only place I've ever been to that still has uh, smoking everywhere is Chicago. There, there are people who just chain smoke down the street inside bars in a grocery store. They'll get yelled at, but they'll do it. Like it's that place. Like it smells like a like a like a cigarette cloud. <laughs> I mean, when I went, to, when we, we we stayed at the Excalibur Casino Hotel and walking through the casino floor, yeah, there was a. <laughs> you could smell the cigarettes. There were people smoking. Sure. There were people yeah. just. Like, there were times where uh, the Bachelor was. He was getting constant headaches because there are times where there's people with a cigarette with a cigarette in their hand, they would just like walk through and he would just go right into their smoke and go, Ugh. My yeah. my my mom used to go to my family used to go to Vegas 
pretty frequently because there's a video convention uh there at the high kind of the the tail end of the um uh before digital start really started killing dvds and whatnot um my, and for those of you who don't know my mom works in um exercise videos for people um but she uh but she had to go to a conference conference there every, every year so my dad and i would go all the time and i remember my and so and, and we would and my dad and i would hang out at the I think we always stayed at Caesar's Palace. Um, and there was a there was a coffee shop that had Krispy Kreme donuts, and we went there for breakfast all the time. And for whatever reason, the smell of cigarette smoke, specifically the cigarette smoke from those casinos, is forever a a, a sense memory that I can recall whenever I oh, want. Sure. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. My 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 grandfather like cigars all the time. Mm-hmm. So like, there's mm-hmm. a there's a sense memory smell to that. That's like. Oh, I don't hate that as much. And then I'm like, oh no, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. Like when we first when we first arrived at the casino and we walked in and I got that smell and I'm like, ah oh, yeah, the smell of the casino. Cause when I would go I would go to Laughlin to visit my grandmother as well. And Laughlin, Nevada is they have there's a lot of people smoking in those casinos. So you get that smell. It's so like it's like a core memory. It's like, oh yeah, I remember the times I would visit Laughlin as a child and just spending my parents' money in the arcade. But Laughlin after a while, people Vegas. Yeah, it is old people Vegas, but even did going... you ever see Viva Laughlin? <laughs> no, did I ever see what? Viva Laughlin? No, but, uh, with, with uh, Hugh Jackman. TV oh, show? I think we've had this actual conversation show? before. <laughs> like, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon, how could anyone? Like, only a couple of episodes aired on television. <laughs> I know. I kind of liked it. It was all right. Um, I just remember, it's like, why did they make a show about Laughlin? Laughlin kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, so so what? So it's because it's, I love this because it's based on a on a BBC miniseries called Blackpool, which is often considered like a poor person's Vegas. Also, mm. so when they moved it to when they when they remade it for American audiences, they uh, David Tennant's in the in Blackpool, by the way. Um, and, and when they made it for American audiences, they were like, well, the equivalent of Blackpool is in Vegas. It's Laughlin. Because it's like they the poor person's face. They didn't do the Grace Point thing where they just put David Tennant in both shows. No, <laughs> they should have keep the shine. Well, actually, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say Laughlin sucks. I have fond memories yeah. of going to Laughlin, and Laughlin is a good time when you don't want to go. When you just want like the Vegas experience, but you don't want the the craziness that Vegas brings. If yeah, you want to drink and gamble and have fun, but like not be like part of like a crazy scene yeah yeah ex- exactly um the other the other awesome thing i did in vegas which is my favorite one of my, one of my other favorite things to do now is axe throwing because axe throwing is so much fun yeah yeah that it was it was just awesome if you haven't done it and you have the chance to do it highly recommend it it is an absolute blast just say be able to throw an axe and hear that thunk when it hits the wood is just oh so satisfying but then we missed the ren fair this year and it breaks my heart did yeah. But next year we have to go because boy, we can we can throw so many things and shoot so many things and drink so mm-hmm. many things <laughs> and drink so many things. And throw and drink. Wow, what a combination! Great, great job. Hey, guys. Same, when I, where I went, they had a full bar and they were even sick because we they were asking us like, "Hey, what are you guys here for?" It's like, "Oh, we're here for a bachelor party." And the guy's like, "Oh man, that's a lot of free alcohol." I'm like, "Yeah, no, you're not giving us free alcohol. <laughs> I know you, you, you lying son of a bitch." But he um, will give you a free axe. <laughs> yes. To complimentary throw, ass to throw and we have to leave it there for the next group but yeah um player one video game bar when i go back to vegas it's not a let's go it's not a maybe i'll go it's a i'm definitely gonna go had an absolute blast there um yeah that's pretty much the some of the that's like some of the fun things i did cool i keep choking we live on in, water we live in southern california i feel like we could in like a 
20 mile radius i bet we can find a pretty re- a really dope what? arcade i'm pretty sure there is i know what? la has i know what? la vegas level dope? no but it won't be three hours away that's true 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 <laughs> i i know that there are some good ones here in los angeles i i know for a fact that there are arcades in the la area and the greater los angeles area i just haven't found them yet Find because it. i because i know some of them it's like hey that's all the way out in ventura or sherman oaks i'm like i don't want to drive that far i mean i know I like it's like oh but you'll drive to vegas it's like yeah but that also comes with a trip to vegas yeah you can visit me you son of a bitch yeah but drinking yeah do you want to go to a barcade yes i've okay. talked to him no, about I'm going to a barcade we have. multiple times we have we have he did say that there's a barcade close to his house that we do need to go to yeah mm-hmm. Well, you can be the anyway. best man, Um, all right. Anything else, Ben? You want you want to bring up? Nah, not really. Okay. Well, I'll talk about something then. Uh, Doctor Who. Uh, I've been watching. Uh, Sparks talked about it last week, but I, much like him, I'm going. I'm trying to get the Doctor Who before the 60th anniversary in November. Although I'm going a lot slower because I'm not done with Capaldi yet. Um, I, I, I Capaldi's last season with Clara is kind of a mixed bag. But there was a two-part episode that I really liked, which was the Zygon invasion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a... It's it's a sequel episode. It's a sequel two-parter to the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, The Day of the Doctor, uh, where David Tennant and Matt Smith um, help create a truce between humans and Zygons. And now there's zygon refuge stop me for this one before there's zygon refugees living amongst humans and zygons are shapeshifters so they can turn into anybody and a a group of them have decided actually we want to destroy this planet to keep to make it our own um well uh so if you haven't caught it already i'm not going to name the show but it's is olivia coleman in this arc (laughs) olivia coleman is in the other one yeah Uh, (laughs) So I, I really liked it. And I think it I think I think it helps that uh I, I'm I'm pretty critical of the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who real quickly. I really like seeing David Tennant and Matt Smith together, but I don't think the war the 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 war doctor stuff and the stuff with the time war works as well as like well, strangely enough, the Zygon stuff. I think the Zygon stuff is really interesting in the 50th anniversary uh episode. And I for me the most compelling stuff. Uh and so like bringing that back and having Clara, who dealt with it with a, with three different doctors, <laughs> now having to deal with it with the twelfth doctor and have the twelfth doctor deal with uh, this this plan that that his previous incarnations incarnations had was really interesting. Kate Stewart, who's one of my favorite uh, new new Doctor Who characters, uh, probably my favorite character that Stephen Moffat created. Um, I really lo- I really love her, and she's a, a big part in the in the in this in, in this two part because it's dealing with unit and. And I th- found it really interesting because you never know who's a Zygon and who's not. And there's a lot of really interesting twists. There's one twist that floored me. Um, when it, like there's a character that I was pretty sure was a was a Zygon, and it's revealed that a different character was a Zygon in the same scene. And I was like, oh shit! I did not see that coming at all. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was a little, it was a lot of fun. I really liked it. It's a great two parter. I remember it's been a while, but like I remember liking that stuff too. It's a solid. It's a solid part of that story. Have you finished Clara's last season? Clara? Not yet. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Do they ever say there's, there's a particular episode? I'm waiting for you to get to. Uh, it's not the one with Macy Williams, right? Because I've seen both of those. No. No. Oh yeah, okay. I like. Oh yeah. No. Uh, did they ever say let Zygons be Zygons? Like let the bygones be bygones? No. 
No. Um, there's a there's a lot of. I think I think Capaldi's final season is kind of a mixed bag because I, what I what I've seen Clara Clara's arc is basically that she wants to be the Doctor. Um, like that that's her that's her story. That's why she idolizes him. Um, and I don't think it always works, which is why the season is a little. It's why her final season for me so far, having only probably half probably a little bit more than halfway through um this kind of feels a little meandering but uh i do like clara i like jenna coleman a lot and peter capaldi is is continues to just be one of the best doc one of the best actors to play the doctor yeah me me personally like showing my full self uh and speaking sacrilege to many doctor who fans like in in my personal opinion clara is the best my favorite companion really wow uh, I like her. yeah I, I, like her, I like her i like her better than rose i i probably would like martha jones more if, if she, was she weren't uh constantly sidelined by rose yeah in her own sure. season yeah um love love catherine tate love donna it's almost she's almost exceptional and and it doesn't feel fair and i honestly think donna's probably uh probably actually the best companion mm -hmm. but uh of the new doctor who mm -hmm. but i favorite. love clara not to be a basic bitch but uh donna's my favorite so like i it, like i'm i'm with you donna's donna's high up there i she's yeah. she's definitely my second favorite and i do think she's objectively the best companion yeah. um because i think she brings the right balance of everything no rory loves i love rory but i love know. rory i love rory more than amy here's the, thing. A Roman here's, man, the thing. here's the thing to be honest with you at a certain point i just wanted rory to be on adventures with the doctor and me too on the show anymore yeah no I was really sick. Karen Gillen. I love Karen Gillan. Love Karen Gillan. I was really sick of Amy, and I was like, no, I'm. I'm there's and, a two part. We, there's a two part comic book issue where it's Rory and the Doctor, which is pretty fun. Oh. And to be honest with you, I this is one of those things where you're gonna get there, and I wish Capaldi had gotten one more season because his combination with Bill and Matt Lucas for oh, the next yeah. season is such a good chemistry that they frankly deserved another season of getting to do. Um, because Matt Lucas is the the bald guy, right? Yes, oh, yeah. and they have like a secret, isn't that like yeah, a yeah, door that? Yeah, they... yeah. Ah, it's all coming back. To me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay um. Yeah. So, so Matt Lucas and and Bill, yeah. uh being on the TARDIS with the Doctor is is really really good. I agree with. Um, that, yeah. and I wish that that kind of team up got a, a longer lifeline than it yeah. did. Um, one season wasn't enough for that for that chemistry, and honestly, I think Capaldi went out too soon. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't I don't know I don't know I'd be interested to know where I where I, where I get there I hope I'm hoping to finish it soon because I, I I do I really like Capaldi as the Doctor, um, the two part of before the Zygon invasion I think was the Macy Williams episode uh, Macy Williams was introduced to Doctor Who as this kind of immortal character, um, yeah. and uh, I really like Macy Williams and I actually quite like the episode but one of the things that I really liked about the episode is that, um. The 50th anniversary reintroduces an idea that the Doctor and Time Lords in general can sometimes pick the faces they change into. Um, there's a there was an idea in old classic Doctor Who that the Doctor that that some of the higher up Time Lords, the more powerful ones, can pick the face that they can turn into, and um, the fact that Tom Baker, Tom Baker, yeah, Tom Baker is in the 50th uh, implies that later in the Doctor's life he does pick an older face to go back to. Um, and there's been a lot of, there's a lot of talk in the first episode of Capaldi that uh, he's seen the fate, the face that he currently has before, but he can't, he can't quite picture where he's like, 
why why do I have this face? Who like he said who found this face? But like he's like this face. I've seen this face, but I don't know where. I don't know why I've seen it. Why I picked it? Um, Wasn't it Paul's kind of, Yes. And so and so later in the Macy Williams episode, he remembers what happened in Pompeii and why oh, yeah. he why the doctor picked the this why the the regeneration went to this phase was to remind him of Pompeii so that he can recreate the act that that saved the people in Pompeii. Well, not all the people in Pompeii, just that one family. Yeah. Um, and it kind of leads him to Macy Williams, and I thought that was really strong. I really like that concept. I really like that idea, and I really like the way that Capaldi plays it. Um, again, like I think that a lot of Moffat's writing, a lot of Moffat's writing is not good when he's the showrunner of Doctor Who. Um, but Capaldi elevates the material in a way that 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 makes it really compelling sometimes. Uh his performance as the doctor is just so good. I really like he's especially um, just real quick, he's yeah. especially stronger when he gets to his second season. Yeah, and he has a more clear picture of who he wants yeah. to be. I like That's the season I like, I'm currently in. Yeah, I yeah. like his like the doctor obviously like like he gets angry, but he's never like 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 evil. But like I just like because Cabaldi as an actor is like I like his rage and like I like the mm -hmm. way he gets angry and the way he confronts people. He's just like he's a really fun guy. Like all the Doctor Who's are fun to watch, but like he's just kind of like a grumpy old man Doctor Who. I'm like I'm, I just really like it. I like his I really, sunglasses, cool guy. I really like how insulting he is to to yes. human beings. When, so one of my one of my favorite things about his final episode is that he Peter Capaldi is a fairly mean doctor he's he's really insulting to a lot of, to a lot of people and not in a way that's not endearing because he's the doctor um but like uh he's it makes him kind of funny in a grumpy old man kind of way it's really of it's really funny to see capaldi who had that image have to deal with william hartnell's doctor david played by david bradley uh in a in a way that has capaldi being like i can't believe i just said that <laughs> in a way uh this is probably funny to see that kind of flip on its head anyway but yeah that's all i really have to say about doctor who um really like Capaldi, like some of these episodes really like that zygon invasion for reasons that you will know in seven years mm -hmm. we think yeah um all right but that'll do it guys that's the that's the that's the that's the whole weekly roundup unless uh sparks or ryan has anything they want to add nope no sir all righty then so why don't we get into our bread and butter All right, so we're going to talk about uh, a lot of things today. Uh, but first, we have some sad news up top. Ron Cephas Jones passed away this week at the age of 66. Now, uh, his kind of claim to fame, uh, unfortunately, was pretty late in life with This Is Us, which was the last thing he was in. Apparently, he was great. Um, but a lot of uh, Marvel fans will probably remember him from Luke Cage, uh, where he played Bobby Fish. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. remember him qu being quite good in that, in that season. Uh, he's a really good, really good character actor. Uh, he pa yeah passed away at the age of sixty six, which sucks. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah, he's a he was a good uh, a good chess player, a good a good character. Yeah, that's a shame. On Luke Cage, sorry, I don't know if you play chess in real life. Bob Barker passed away at the age of ninety nine. Good innings. I this is one of those times I have to admit that I saw the news and I thought Bob Barker was still alive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not, not, I have not to be honest. Mean, no, not in a mean way, but like, yeah, Bob Barker's not someone I thought about probably since last time I watched uh, the Adam Sandler movie where he's like, the price is wrong, bitch. Um, <laughs> happy go more. Um, I, 
I, 99's a long ass life, Bob Barker. I don't know if he was a good or guy, bad guy. I didn't really follow his life too much. I only knew him again from Happy Gilmore. So he's really there's, funny in that movie. Get your pet spayed or neutered. He's the neuter guy. Yeah. There's a lot of there was a lot of obvious talk about him. Um, for all intents and purposes, at least the stories that were coming out, what was that he was a genuinely nice guy. Uh, cool. So that's good to hear. He, uh, but yeah, 99. It's not too bad. Uh, what do they say? He what is the what is the joke that people are saying that he got as close as possible to 100 without going over? Yeah. Yeah. You probably yeah. for that, wouldn't you? Um. And finally, something that honestly brought me to tears. Arlene Sorkin passed away at the age of 67. For those of you who don't know, Arlene Sorkin is is Harley Quinn. Uh, Paul Dini was inspired to make Harley Quinn because he wanted to give her a role on Batman the Animated Series. Uh, without her, there is no Harley Quinn. She was voicing the character for decades after. Um, Ar- Arkham City, I think, was her last time as the character. I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh, is it Arkham City, or or is that when is that when she I, was replaced? I think Arkham City is when yeah. Tara Strong took it over. Yeah, I think Tara Strong is Arkham. Arkham City. Asylum is Arlene. Well, yeah, I think the first game is original cast. Yeah, I mean Arlene, Harlene. Yeah, know, like uh, right yeah, without without her, there is no Harley Quinn. And I'll be honest, I I I pretty much had a tear tear at this point. This yeah. this really sucked. Yeah, uh, Harlene. Har- uh, Harleen. Uh, Harley Quinn is a character that I think all of us, at least I know you and I, Brandon, have had interesting trajectory with because like the animated series, like she's great, but she is like the Joker sidekick, right? And like that's for a long time kind of what she was. And then she broke out into like this Deadpool-esque character, which I didn't personally connect with really. But once they really kind of found the groove and made her more of an anti-hero and like the, we're now like the Birds of Prey, Margot Robbie kind of era that she's in, I absolutely adore. I love it. And none of that would have started without the original harley quinn so like and that character is still in this new new iteration um it's an incredible character and it's like an awesome arc to see uh to have a have a combo character like this have a arc where they get to you know get from underneath somebody else to become their own bigger character in a way um Mm -hmm. and that's really cool and again like uh, arlene is like one of the main reasons for that because like what an incredible incredible performance and like iconic for again people our age like like people remember that remember that voice like oh yeah yeah, oh yeah everyone who has played everyone who has played Harley Quinn after including Margot Robbie has have tried to model their voice after hers. Yeah. Um, you know, Batman the animated series is a very seminal uh, uh, animated series. Obviously Kevin Conner and Mark Hamill are iconic in the roles of Batman and the Joker, but everyone um, frankly in that, in that show is incredible. Um, and Arlene, Arlene story uh, like Harley, Harley Quinn's story co- going from that show to the comics uh, being one, an early example of this idea of this really popular standout character and and uh, you know creating this kind of queer icon at a time where they where they really couldn't be I mean they're friends they're roommates Poison Ivy and, and Harley Quinn in that in that show there's actually an episode where they are roommates um, like for real um, and and I think that it's uh, you know, having that st- kind of story play out, like again, all of this wouldn't happen. Um, I there th- the reason why I didn't connect with that kind of as I alluded to that like middle arc of Harley's trajectory in the comics was because it was so far away from Arlene, uh, from that character that I that I that I knew that it was. It, I remember I still remember that first Suicide Squad issue from the New Fifty Two and that that uh, deformed kind not deformed but like. And a very incredibly skinny with long face, purple, red hair, um, 
uh, on on one side and everyone going like that can't be harley quinn Um, again like they they were trying to do like a deadpool thing and like they went they they pushed her way too far and then luckily they were able to kind of bring it back uh so now like they brought it back so far now we can get something like the harley quinn animated show right. which kind of is like almost deadpool-esque but like it is so mm-hmm. it is so her own her own character but now much like, closer, she like a copy. it's mm-hmm. much closer to the original while not while not getting rid of any character growth that would be relevant yes. to the character which is nice and again none of that happens without arlene yeah did you want to say something sorry endless ben one of you two ben? talk something uh, okay I'll, I'll go first then um one of the things that that oh, will always strike a bit of a chord with me with the character of Harley Quinn and obviously with um, Arlene's work is just how young Harley Quinn is. And when I say young, I mean as in like how long she's been an established character in the mythos of comic books. Because for the longest time, I felt like, oh yeah, Harley Quinn's always been a part of the Joker. She's got to be in like, have like 50, 60 some years on her. And then one day I was at the comic book store at Earth 2 with Brandon and they had a 25th anniversary celebration of Harley Quinn on the uh, on the shelf. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. She was created in the animated series. And to have a character like her, like Brandon said, explode and instead of being just a henchman, a henchwoman for the Joker, have like to eventually have her own show, multiple comic book series starring her, Movies. films starring her. And like where the Joker is the side character and she's the main is phenomenal. Not a lot of characters can rise up from being the the friend or the the punching bag of the of the, the other big bad or the other character per se. And because she it became and, such an icon for um, uh, people wanting to leave abusive relationships. Yeah, she did. And I mean, uh, there's been like great iterations of Harley Quinn. There's been bad iterations of Harley Quinn. But the original one from the MA series with Arlene's voice, I mean, we've we said it before and I'll come and I'll say it as well. It's just so iconic, it's just so ingrained in our brains that when we hear a new voice actor take on the role of Harley Quinn, while we have to get used to it, it's there will always be is like it's just not the original. And not to say that's the bad thing. Obviously, I love Kaylee Cuoco as Harley Quinn for the Harley Quinn show. Uh Tara Strong, of course, always does a great job. But whenever I like watch clips from the original, I'm like, there she is. There's my Harley. There's the because she's the it's definitely she's the first one I met, so she's the one I cling on to. And yeah. the fact that she's gone hurts. Hmm. Yeah. I mean it's a it's a powerful legacy and it's it's awesome that you know she had such a rich uh connection to the character and built out of her own name and likeness, you know. Um to, to be that. I mean, obviously there's Harlequin, but Arlene Sorkin, Harlene, come on. Um, but it's, um, you know, she leaves behind such a special, like, <laughs> let alone people who get to, like, Kevin Conroy's Batman, and Kevin Conroy gets to leave that, but Arlene gets to leave being the foundational voice of Harlene, like, and re- helping, and just by her own presence, being part of the creation of a character that's going to live on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so special. So like, uh, yeah. what, a, what a high, high honor. Um, yeah. I, I to, to extrapolate that point, while Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman to many people, he technically isn't the first. Well, but yeah, Arlene, that's what I mean. Ar- yeah, yeah. Technically? No, no, I, well, there's other Batman. Technically. Ar- 
Yeah, he he isn't the first. He's well, it's not. He's not technically isn't the first. He isn't okay. the first. I, I misspoke. Okay, I misspoke. He uh, he obviously isn't the first person to ever voice Batman. There were cartoons in the seventies and eighties, but with Arlene being the very first one, she does leave a different legacy than Kevin Conroy. Not to disparage Kevin Conroy, I love the man. Rest in power. Well, rest but- in peace. Yeah, but what I mean is like it's not it's not just the fact that she was the first person to play the voice. It's that Harley Quinn is created out of her. Mm-hmm. Um that is something that even Kevin Conroy couldn't do. Like Batman's not created out of Kevin Conroy. Harley Quinn is created out of Arlene. That is so right. that is so special and rare. Mm-hmm. Um like you put an uh, H in front of her name. A contemporary, I guess, would be like Nicole Maines getting Dreamer Absolutely. into the DC universe. There but like, but I won't say that's a character that I know is gonna be around forever. Mm-hmm. I know Harley Quinn will be around forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So that's uh, 67 though. It, 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 that's too young. Too young. Yeah. Unfortunately, we got, we got one more passing that we, that we do. That's not on the list, but it's okay. Cause it's a, it's a smaller person. Uh, hmm. Dan Green, thank you for, for reminding me, Sparks. Dan Green was an artist who worked primarily in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. Uh, he worked on the Uncanny X-Men, and he did some covers from New Mutants. Uh, I know this guy primarily from his X-Men stuff from the 80s. Uh, he did a lot, a lot of art uh, for classic X-Men stuff. He passed away at the age of 70. Rest in peace, Mr. Oh. Yeah. Bro, you scared the shit out of me. I, when you said Dan Green, I am like, not the voice actor! There's an, oh, there's multiple Dan Greens? Yeah, there's, Green yeah the, he was the voice of Yugi in Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh... oh. No, not no dipping. Green. I was about to say because there's actually a convention going on right now where Dan Green, Charles Barnett, Roger Craig Smith, they're at a convention in Long Beach right now signing autographs. Well, well, it's not about that Dan Green. It's about Dan Green that made those X Men covers. Yes. and may yeah, okay. he rest in Someone peace. Who, yes. Yeah, may yeah may that Dan Green rest in peace because yeah, that's sad. Indeed. All right, let's talk about the strike. Okay. Hey, we're we're you know we're we're we're. Doing this till the strikes are over. And um, here's my quick baseball reference. Strike. Now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> um, obviously WGA and the and SAG-AFTRA have been on strike for uh, quite a while now. SAG-AFTRA less than 100 days. WGA more than 100 days. Um, but they are talking. The AMPTP and the WGA are back to the negotiating thing um, with a with. And this is important because we don't know. We don't know anything anymore. We don't know anything right now because there is a press blackout that both the WGA and the AMPTP are... Hold, excuse me? Sorry, the AMPTP has leaked something again. Oh, um, no. So there is meant to be a press blackout, which the WGA is adhering to, uh, except un- unless the AMPTP breaks that uh, themselves. So they did because the AMPTP has hired a new crisis firm uh, because their public image is shit. It's just shit. Um, and they need to fix that. Well, they don't need to, but they want to. Um, God rest their souls. So I mean, they do They do need to. They just don't get that the simplest way to do that is to just make the deal. I don't understand right. how, like, four or five months into a strike, they're like, we need to change our image. Like that's really gonna if, solve the if, problem. You know what? what like it truly, it truly is. Like in this moment, I have never felt more like between this and obviously uh uh Musk with Twitter. Oh, um, yeah. like I've never felt more like, oh man, rich people are dumb. They're stupid. Yeah, they're just dumb. <laughs> they're just people. stupid. They're just dumb people. <laughs> I, 
Guys, how do we solve this problem? It's only 0.018% of our entire annual year, but we're going to spend $10 million to fix our, to fix our, uh, our, we're going to lose millions, millions, millions a day. To delay how... movies and Seriously, the fact that them trying to to mess up this deal and not take and not pay the writers and actors what they're owed and what they deserve, if they spend more money trying to not do that, it's like you. Pl- once it's the like number the, the, came the, out, real quick. Once the number came out, it's like, hey, like they're asking literally for less than one percent, yeah, of the annual gross. And I'm like, is, what are we doing? This anymore? is truly, this is truly one of those things where, um, you know, we so often hear about them uh kowtowing to the desires of the shareholders and that ultimately being what the ceos respond to most importantly mm-hmm. and i'm like there's no there's no effing way the shareholders think that this is the move um yeah. like there's no way that they're like yes please lose more money than what it would yeah. take for us to just make I, this deal it's like ceo I, pride to do it and i'm like how are they not how are they not afraid like on, honest to god i would not be surprised if like a respectable amount of time so that they're they're not like completely showing a lack of faith in the establishment of their own industry uh the shareholders slam zaslov out uh like it's it's gotta happen i like Iger's a whole other story but zaslov with a uh, uh particularly the delay we'll get into a little later like i i don't get it like there's no way the shareholders are cool with this i think it's I gonna really like feel, i really feel like i just constantly want to just show the the dj khaled congratulations you played yourself meme in front of all these ceos because at this point this is what they're doing they're playing themselves what's the the eric andre bit where it's like uh where it was the shooting it's the shooting meme oh yeah <laughs> who did this? Like, who did, why why'd you do this when this, he's the person doing it yeah, yeah. um this yeah, one was I, really I, funny. It's just like you guys are really trying everything and just throwing money away when you can just pay people. It, it's it's like, like it's it's so easy. Like everyone everyone wants to go back to work. Everyone will go back to work tomorrow, right? Like mm-hmm. just pay them. And again, it's so it's, it's so little money. It's it's bananas. I it's I saw bananas. a great TikTok of a pro striker where he i mean obviously that like he's playing both sides like he's playing the uh, like some zat i'm guessing zaslov because he's like hey i'm sorry that we had to move dune back i know you really wanted to see it but this rider strike and he's like pay him it's like yeah but it was like pay them uh, and like you know a ceo trying to give all the excuses they can to like not pay the writers or like oh but the deal is fair it's like no it ain't pay your fucking writers pay so- your fucking actors you idiot did you see? Did you did you see the um, what's it uh the the girl who was like all the different types of people you see at a strike? And it's like a celebrity who's there for the photo op, hey, celebrity who's there incognito with the glass, the MCU disguise, Adam yeah. Conover. Yeah, got a got a, a microphone. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was funny. All right, so the AMPTP, we know we know from the last time we talked about this, they release they they. they brought an offer to the WGA for the first time in a hundred days. Um, and they, and we didn't, weren't made aware of what that offer was, but the, the AMPTP decided that they don't like press blackouts, even though they keep demanding them. No, uh, here's, here's the thing. This Go was ahead. only after they were like, we're ready to like have a discussion in good faith and they get together and they're all it is, is them lecturing them about how good their deal was. Yeah. So uh, the AM, so AMPCP does these leaks. For, for those of you who don't know, I'm everyone here knows this, but like for those of you who who are watching this and may not know, the reason why the AMPTP keeps re- keeps leaking these things is because they are hoping that it makes the WGA look bad uh, by not taking these deals, and it's not working because the WGA is like, hey, uh, this is what actually happened, and everyone believes them and not the scum asses. 
This is what's so um, good. The one good thing about living in like the 21st century, the digital age, the news age, like, like you can't like fake news like this. Like you, yeah. oh, they said this. No, we have the document right here. There's no lying here. You're not gonna. No one's gonna. You're not gonna win this. And I'm like, that's kind of nice. That is kind of mm -hmm. nice. We have the receipts all the time. So uh, the deal, as I mentioned up top of, at the beginning of this episode, uh, is that uh, it is linked below. If you want to see all the kind of all the the nitty gritty stuff of what that deal is going to uh, was what that proposal was, uh, go read ahead. But here's some of the highlights. Uh, that I picked out some of the things that we've been some of the things that that we've been talking about that 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 the WGA has made like these big kind of talking points. Um, one of the ones is that Netflix and the other streamers don't release how many how many people are watching their shows. Not not they don't release any real numbers unless Red Notice is the greatest movie ever made and being watched by like thirty screens at one time every time. Um, but they say. Um, did you want to say something, Sparks? Yeah, I just want to point out, like, because uh, other people were making the 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 point, and I knew it existed, but I I was glad that people were bringing up in the context of what's happening. Um, it's important to know that Netflix already has to do this in France. Yep, there it's... are laws in France that mean that they have to do this, which means a system's already in place that these numbers should be revealed. Just mm -hmm. so everyone contextualizes, like, this isn't this wouldn't be hard or difficult for them to do. Um, so any, and we know they've tried to say that. Uh, so just know that that's, that's horseshit. They already have to do this legally in one country. Mm -hmm. right. So like, it's not, it's not impossible. So this is what the AMPTP came with in response to, we want to see how, what our shows are, how our shows are doing on the streaming service, the, the Nielsen ratings, essentially. Uh, the AMPTP said, okay, okay, we'll let six WGA staffers be allowed to see limited streaming viewership data however they cannot share it with the with the with the writers of the show what are we playing mountains of madness <laughs> right what <laughs> yeah these so, people are to reiterate what we said earlier these people are dumb yeah. they're just making shit up they don't actually know what they're doing uh Brandon, I read that because I, I I do have the news pulled up on a different tab, and I was reading that sentence. It took me a few times. I reread it, and I still couldn't understand what the f was going on. <laughs> so the so it's 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 they're saying that we'll let people who are like the board of the WGA, well, like six members of the board of the WGA, your elected board, see your viewership data, but they cannot share it with you to that a limited degree. To a limited degree. So no, it's it's just it's not it's not real. No, um, it's not. And, this is ridiculous. And I do want to point out, like, uh, someone else also made a, uh, the point that, uh, again, something I was well aware of, but hadn't put two and two together about. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're very right. Um, this is a TikTok video. But uh, um, way back in, in the 30s, uh, the 20s and the 30s, these movie studios made an effort to own theaters. And they were blocked. It was yeah. just, it was decided that that was illegal, that 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 would ruin the market. Um, it's called the Paramount. And, yes. And uh, streaming services are essentially a modern day way that they've gotten around that same thing. For the ones that own it. Um, Netflix it doesn't necessarily apply to this the same, except for their original content. Um, but like, uh, for all the things that they make that is theirs and release on their service, Disney Plus obviously falls under this really, really heavily and clearly. Um, the fact that they are able to own the distribution and access of it as they make the product as well 
uh, it was determined completely illegal to be able to do that with movies and related to theater chains. They have found the loophole just because, again, like we as a we as a world, but we as a nation have not kept our laws catching up with the modern technological age. It's moving very quickly and yes. our laws are not keeping up. The streaming mm -hmm. services have been a big gap of where the laws have not kept up. And but it is fundamentally yeah. the same argument. They should not own the product the cre in creation and in distribution uh, and access. It should not be 100% in their purview and control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a. I I I watched the same TikTok sparks. Uh, that I didn't think about this, but that's absolutely correct. Like, that's why this is why, like, uh, networks used to be owned by different people. Like CBS wasn't always owned by uh, Paramount. Um, so like they, but so like they would have to buy shows from different studios and different networks, and um, movie theaters have to bid to play a movie in in certain mm -hmm. for certain screens and. Uh, play ball with the studios and get some get some revenue but this is th this is like when who was it i think disney was thinking maybe it was a i think i think there was a whatever it, it would be like if if a studio was like we're not going to release anything theatrically anymore we're just going to release it on a streaming service um which can, in which case you'd somehow make more money but they're they can't be making the money because there's the other there's the other argument which is the reason why they don't want to share these numbers is either because they're they're far lower than anyone thinks or far higher than anyone knows and yeah. honestly like it's probably both yeah. depending yeah. on on what the product is right like there are things on their service that the numbers are incredibly high it means that the people who worked on those things should be paid much much more yeah for yeah. the work that they put in and then there's also things on the service that would prove this is actually not a viable service and way to continue in the market. Yeah. Um, not yeah. as a, as a sole product. It can be like, there are ways to work it as an addition onto this, but like the, the reliance that CEOs put into it is probably misguided. Yes. Yeah. Also yeah. just real quick, I got to step away for a hot second. I got to use the bathroom. I'll be right back. Go yeah. for it. Uh, this is, this is the reckoning, the reckoning of, of them doing the loophole of what you guys just talked about of like, the movies can't be throughout the, like the studio and all that stuff. So like the fact that they don't tell the number that you're not releasing the numbers means that they're lying about the numbers. And again, either up or down, but both ways they're going to be losing money and they can't mm -hmm. report that. Cause once they tell you the truth, then all those numbers from the last decade and a half, all those are fake too. And the, the well, real reckoning, they cannot start with that process because then it'll never end. So I think they have mm -hmm. to fight this until they literally can't anymore. So we're going to be doing this for who knows how long, but they're gonna lose, right? Because they're gonna lose because it's the CEOs who are gonna be hung out to dry on it. Yes. because it was their decisions to go for streaming the way that they yeah. did, and the stockholders uh, will eventually agree because again, it's always about money. It's not about like the right or wrong. It's like, no, you're not making us money anymore. You right. guys are failing our our company, right? Uh, and it will get to there eventually, because uh, that's all um, sucks. Isn't the Sparks mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago when we first started talking about these streaming services that? Um, well, when we're talking about um, the gaming podcast that you guys really like, that they had to shut down. Yeah, it's now Waypoint. That's now Remap Radio. Mm -hmm. Waypoint. Um, when Waypoint was shutting down, we talked about it, that this idea of constant growth is just not possible. Um, right. And Netflix operates by. And Netflix keeps talking about like how great it is that they haven't made a that they haven't made a profitable business yet because they're constantly growing. That's impossible. You've you're right. stagnant if you're not yeah. prof and, and you admitted to already not being profitable. 
they're right. they're in a hole so far deep that they will never get out of yeah. yeah at this point and like it's a type of thing where like once you're this far there's nothing to do but just continue because what are you gonna do shut down the company netflix like it'll it'll all there's gonna be again there will be like a different type of reckoning on netflix and like who knows how many years we're like we simply cannot put out this much stuff anymore and they will just cut dozens and dozens and dozens of projects uh honestly rightfully so for some of them because again the output of netflix is truly insane um but like that also is scary to like oh what about independent people who are making good shit like they clone tyrone or or you know something like that like it, it's scary in both in both regards there's there's going to be i could see I could see this starting a sea change. Obviously, the government needs to start getting involved with these antitrust laws. Um, and the, we're, <laughs> I'm interested to know what the streaming what the streaming um, world will look like ten years from now, because I don't think it's the because I I believe wholeheartedly that it is not the future that that everyone thought it was going to be. And it's it's notable also just like this same the same problem exists in different forms in a lot of places and like it's hap it's going to happen in games um game pass will ultimately come to this yeah uh because game pass is something you know microsoft does at, at a loss. loss um and it's because their goal the reason they keep trying to buy and acquire so many studios they want to own cloud gaming like mm. shut everyone out of the market on it um and that's the goal and like everyone knows that's kind of what they're working for but it's going to take a while to get there um and so it's really a matter of are they going to get stopped before they get there or is it going to become a problem and then this kind of thing is going to happen when they are there they are right now <clears throat> they are the number one best they it's considerably better than playstation we talked about how like the google one shut down right. like xbox's cloud service is, is is i can play i can turn my ipc game pass i can play 400 games now at an instant without downloading any of them with good enough internet access 400 yeah. that's incredible incredible nobody else is doing that um but it is it is like it is unsustainable up to a point because like every single big microsoft game starfield halo gears of war all those are coming for free basically for 10 bucks a month and like and the thing is like honestly what i think we will see is i don't think streaming services are going to go away but i do think there will be a more reasonable like reduction in cost uh for what is put into the products that are created on them and what is put into what is asked of the consumer for it because ultimately i do think the longevity that i don't think these things just go away yeah i do think they basically become libraries Trans studio yeah. libraries and the at a lower cost you have access to everything we create uh after about five months honestly um, what netflix like, like kind of was originally <laughs> right and like you go back down to that and it's like you know like i'll spend like four dollars five dollars a month to have all of Disney and constantly an updated library accessible, even if they're not making new original content that is strictly on that service, right? So it, that can be an outcome of where we're headed to. It really depends. I definitely feel like we are just going to kind of wrap back around to how it used to be, mm -hmm. but just the streaming service will still be there. There's a lot of the, what are they called? Fast? Is it called Fast? Like Freebie and Tubi, all of these like I don't know. I, 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 sure, it's yeah. like it's like I think it's called fast programming. It's like it's an acronym. Um, but that's basically like that is free television with ads. Uh, but they also have like a a, a a library of stuff to watch too. So like basically they're like, hey, we're doing what Netflix used to be like ten years ago. It's just a much smaller version. So like, uh, well, Brandon's gone. Hey, he's back. We're just talking about fast what fast the programming. Hell is going on here. I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. You gotta get that good, good. 
Ethernet cables. That's okay. Um, well, yeah, I, I need a, comu- a computer. This thing's old. Yeah. This thing's too did old. You, did you catch a lot of what Ryan was referring to there? Which part? Sorry. Uh, fast programming, like 2B and 3B? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Cool. Um, okay. Um, Good point, by the way. I wanted to speak on I wanted to speak on something that the uh, that before we continue uh, the before I break I don't know um, the uh, these systems work like they used to work like mm-hmm. streaming like streaming service when Netflix came in Netflix did the big tech thing where it's like oh this is an industry that works very well let's change it and end up breaking it. That's what Musk is running into a Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter was a system that worked and Musk is trying to improve it. And by improving it, he's breaking it. Um, and, and Netflix, Netflix is kind of the Musk of the, of the film industry at this point, um, because they wanted to disrupt the, the disrupt the, the thing, fix something that wasn't, that didn't need to be fixed. And they've ended up breaking it in the long term. Um, and this is what these, contract negotiations are about the wga and sac after feel very strongly that, that these negotiations could be a big step in fixing what has been broken um right. going back to a system and we'll talk about it that uh should never have been abandoned yeah well uh, uh it, it, well the thing is like like you you do have to change to kind of meet the consumer and like network television in a general sense, right? It's not working for every consumer. I don't so like, like. I don't want to go back to just waiting till seven o'clock to watch my favorite show. So, so I the, never am doing that ever. So there is an amount of like having to meet the market where it is, kind of thing. Um, I think like part of the point of what we're talking about, like Netflix was so successful when it started because a lot of Netflix was like a limited amount of original content, right? Uh, when it started as a streaming service, I want to be specific, not when it was the 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 rental service. Yeah. Um, and then uh, licensed out content. And because it didn't own so much of the content that was there, that wasn't as problematic. Um, but now, obviously, like it, it's got buttloads of its own original content. And I think ultimately what it falls to, Netflix is the one that's going to suffer the most from this. We've kind of said that since the beginning. Netflix is the one that has the most to lose for sure. Yeah. 100%. Um, because all they have is tied up in a streaming service. The rest of them, they have the opportunity that the way that this whole deal shakes out for them is that like the streaming services, they, they kind of adapt and change. Again, like kind of turning into libraries, things that are original content that are made for it, they are reduced down in budget that they're able to put forth. So there's a set amount of like, money that they're able to put to original content each year which means a limited amount of original content even put out for the service and ultimately probably contracts that mean that like they transition to network television at a certain point after its release on the streaming service which keeps the cycling of residuals and like where things are viewable also quality now this is all just like a hypothetical of like where things can go because again it's a scaling back to meet the the consumer but also to meet the needs of the creators on the creative side so, so see, that's what I was trying to get at when I was talking about well, the 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 thing that you said very very well is um, when you move when when, when these these things stick, stick on the streaming service, and I understand that the four of us, uh, as Ryan said, are not ever interested in going back to network TV and watching something on network TV. However, Succession, which was a TV, no. Which one was the TV show? Succession is a TV show, right? Yeah, HBO? it is. Yeah. HBO. Yeah. And then goes to HBO Max. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, Succession weekly pulled in more uh, more numbers than Severance, which was sure. Apple TV's biggest show. The right. numbers are still there for net for network television. Oh, and yeah. These, well, sorry. And these shows and these shows 
should uh, we talked about it before with with Disney Plus uh, airing Miss Marvel coming up that they should be aired on network TV um, because you can edit them to have ad breaks and no one's going to give a shit uh, as long as an ad doesn't play actually and you put them you put them on network TV you've got advertiser money you've got you got way more eyes on it than you would have stayed buried on that streaming service. I mean, that's what they did with some of the Marvel shows uh, or Disney shows like Miss Marvel and Andor went to uh, uh, ABC or something like that, right? That's what I said. And, oh, just, sorry, yeah, and yeah. just to just to kind of be a counterpoint on that, Succession is a good example of like, yes, that there is network demand and like access to HBO and all that kind of stuff um, between that and getting it on Max. Yeah. Um, but Succession is also like one of the biggest, most popular shows of the past few years. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of other network television shows that drown um and don't don't do you know anything um for a lot of these services and you can say that some of it's a quality problem or what have you um but like you know it's it's the same thing as like the cw had been failing for years um mm -hmm. they're like almost nothing on disney channel or or disney animation is popping on the network yeah the way that it used to now you could say that's because disney plus is there but like they are struggling like the abc shows they're they're doing fine but there's a dip and i have to wonder because again we live in like this this digital age where game of thrones succession uh they they premiere on hbo at six o'clock that the exact same time i can go to hbo max and just watch it and I can pause at any time. And that's at the same time. Well, and, and that makes it really easy for anybody to jump on into a show. And notably also, HBO is a show that doesn't have ad breaks. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, like, even when you're watching it live on HBO, there's no ad breaks. That's true. So, like, that is still something that, like, again, average consumer, there's a resistance there. HBO uh, is its own kind of, like, it's been, like, the golden standard of TV for for. 30 years but anyway, I do think like the way that this ultimately, you know, will will shake out is like there's going to be a more of a mixed library between streaming service and network again. Yeah. Um where where things will be shared and and uh and that's how you'll kind of get a, a recycling of content that's able to justify its existence. Mm -hmm. I think what the last thing I want to say which was what I was trying to get to a little earlier is that once again, trying to um, be a little bit clear on what I said about these systems working is that w the way tech companies like Netflix and tech bros like Musk like to change things or just disrupt things to make them quicker, qu uh, rich, richer, quickie, quickler, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, and it leaves and progress and, and progress is supposed to pick, take everyone with it. And the progress that happened that Netflix tried to implement, which is the same progress that dozens, if not hundreds of companies have done for years, um, leave the leave everyone but the top going forward. And the hope is with these strikes is that they can be the first step in fixing and 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 finding and finding a way to adapt the systems that were broken to a more modern audience to a more modern modern age that will benefit everyone mm -hmm. and that's what these strikes are for and that's what we're hoping we will see going forward with these that's why we always talk about these the the, the these streaming services because they disrupted a system that worked in order to um uh create a, a, a worse working conditions and better and better pay for their ceos and they were needs to, needs to be fixed 
they were a vacuum without regulations. And yeah. so the studios came in and took advantage of having no laws to confine them. And and yeah. that's finally, you know, coming to roost. So uh, it, it, again, like this same kind of thing is happening in so time. many parts of our country, but in uh, so many different labor developments. But like, this is obviously a very specific and, and clear to see one. Hot labor summer. Um, I'm going to skip this one and talk about it a little bit later, but uh, one of the things that people are, are one of the one of the big talking points is um, bigger um, uh, a pay increase because uh, the pay increase across America just has not kept up with inflation, the artificial inflation that happened uh, during the pandemic specifically. Um, they want they want the pay raise now, as everyone does, but the AMPTP came back with uh, the historical. You'll get 5% next year, 4% the year after, and 3.5% the year after that. And then you'll have the money that you're asking for. That you're asking for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nickel and Which dime. is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, um, and a very common, a very common tactic in negotiations. Yes. It keeps your uh, wages just under what they should be. Yeah. Uh, notably, our inflation problem has been much worse. Um, this is not their fault, obviously, when I say this, but the war on Ukraine, what happened is that a lot of places saw an opportunity. Some were, some was real inflation and some was inflation that was like, well, this is a good excuse. Yeah. Um, it's and easy opportunity. The numbers haven't gone back down. Uh, the most obvious place is in gas. Yeah. Uh, you can see it. Um, but, oh, $6. This is, but this is true of groceries that like, frankly, are not affected by the war in Ukraine, but they use it as an opportunity to gas inflation up. Right. Um, so many, many, I'm going to, I'm actually going to say this now. Um, in 2019, you might be asking me why I'm, why I'm jumping back to 2019, because this is relevant to something that the AMPTP asked of the WGA. In 2019, a person named Stephen Thaller tried to get an image that he generated with a program called Creativity Machine copyrighted. Mm -hmm. uh, he applied for a copyright at the uh, U.S. Department. Uh, the U.S. Copyright Office. He was rejected the first time. He, he tried again, rejected again, tried again, rejected again. Uh, he tried multiple times to copyright the image uh, as, as a, quote, work for hire to the owner of the creativity machine. So he essentially says, this machine made it, but because this machine works for me, I own it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it, da, 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 he sued them. He decided, okay, well, after the last time, I'm going to sue the U.S. The US Copyright Office. He says it was illegal to not offer him the copyright. This is his image. Um, he deserves to have it copyrighted. This is important because just this week, the United States District Court Judge Beryl A. Howell ruled that AI-generated artwork can't be copyrighted. Oh, oh. Yep. Just cannot be copyrighted. She wrote that copyright has never been granted to work that was, quote, absent any guiding human hand end quote, adding that human authorship is a bedrock requirement for copyright. Yep. Good job, Judge. In no uncertain terms that the AI-generated shit that people are turning out through the through these uh, machines cannot be copyrighted. Now, now, bear in mind, you know, we live with a terrible uh, Supreme Court um, and uh, at least in its ratio and their decisions that they'll make. And this can always at some point get escalated and they can reverse this decision. Uh, They'd have to agree to, to see it, though. Yes, they would. But I mean, like, I'm just, you know, in the long term and like corporate interests. Like, like, yeah. We are we are. This is a good thing 
we're good for now. This does not mean we're good forever, but we're good for now. Yeah, uh, th this is really important uh, because the AMPTP one of the one of the big one of the big talking points for the WGA is a is um, AI protections, uh, essentially saying that their job wouldn't be replaced by artificially generated scripts. So the AMPTP, rather than their first op offer, which was their very first offer, which was we'll just talk about it every year and then we'll just call it a day. Um, yeah. Or or just notably for the SAG after it's a, a protections from AI being a replicant of their likenesses. Yeah. I just wanted to add that as well. Uh, they said in their in their new proposal, the AMPTP says that AI generated scripts uh, can be will be given to the writer. So if quote unquote, if, if AI generated scripts are given to a writer for the writer to rewrite into something more coherent, um, they will be paid a, of the, uh, as, it is, as if it was the first draft of a new script and not if it was a rewrite, right. which yeah. is pretty good, Yeah, but it can be taken advantage of, which is what I'll get into. Yeah, yeah. The big thing... The big problem, the reason why the WGA went back with another counteroffer, which is what you do, you offer a counteroffer, offer a counteroffer. Um, you don't you don't offer, and then when you get a counteroffer, you go crying to mommy and daddy. Um, the AMPTP have put in the contract a lot of quote-unquote gotcha language, a lot of legal jargon that can find many loopholes. And the WGA is trying to close those loopholes as they rightfully should. Um, right. For example, there's a lot of new proposals uh, for quote unquote showrunners, like showrunners can pick their room size how, because the big thing is like minimum room sizes. Okay, well, now a showrunner can pick how many writers they want. However, many streaming shows specifically are losing the term showrunner, showwriter, in favor of a, a, a more ambiguous head writer. Right. So, if so, they need to, so the WGA needs to start defining in the in the eyes of the sea of, of these studios what is a showrunner what is their right. job specifically because if you hire someone for that we don't want to get screwed and you have them call head writers so you don't have to pay them anything right uh as has often been the case also showrunners can be producers instead of writers and yes. that means that the power of choosing these writers and and having a writer's room can be taken away from them if the language is not specific enough yes yeah um so uh, that's kind of what, that's kind of like some of the big mm. things. There's so much more. I, I do recommend people going through the articles, looking at some of this language. Um, again, a lot of this, a lot of the counter offer that WGA gave was to close up some of this language and to, to, to not, to not budge on certain, on certain things like this pay raise, um, yeah. like these residuals. There was as, no as, offer for residuals, by the way. Right. As you said, which is hugely important and remains hugely important. As you said, Brandon, uh, just in the example that you were giving about um, the AI scripts and like that going to a person, I just want to, yes, people should, if you're interested, definitely read through a lot of this, but just to further accentuate how the loopholes can work with the example that you gave about um, the generative scripts and them giving a firsthand write. Part of the problem in there is that they can default to the AI script stuff uh, that they prefer or even have a new AI riff mm -hmm. on that first draft. But guess what? Now it's in your name. So yep. if it's not good writing, that's on you. Yep. Even though yep. it wasn't you, but now it's on you. So, so it's you, like, yeah, the pain's good, but you don't know what you're 
that you're actually going to be credited to your own words anymore. That's and, yeah. and that's already that's a worse version of what already happens because you know a screenwriter will turn in a script and then three years later it doesn't even look like what you wrote originally. But right. that's because producers and other. But at least things, you know other names got on it. Yeah, this is just a computer ruining it, and it's like, oh wow, they just really don't give a shit, do they? Yeah. yeah. So, the AMPTP we talked about already hired a crisis PR firm. Can I say the image? Um, there was a there was a a meeting that was held. Uh, the CEOs and the AMPTP were like, "Hey, WGA membership, come over. Let's talk. Let's let's bygones be bygones. You can hang you out in my get pool. A pizza? Let's Zygons you want to get a Zygons. pizza." Um, and they were, and the WGA was like, "Yeah, man, I'd love to finally, you know, talk these these issues out and be like, yeah, let's let's work on a way to 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 come together on this one." Well, anyway, they get there and the CEOs just end up lecturing them for two hours about why this deal is the perfect deal and they should just take it. Which is really yep. shitty. Yep. Um, in attendance were Bob Iger and David Zaslav. So, that's mm -hmm. fun. Bob Iger, who's personally offended. Bob Iger yeah. said this week, uh, to a, not on record, this was leaked, um, said that he was personally offended that the WGA didn't take the AMPTP's latest offer. <laughs> this he, I'm offended as he walks to his helicopter as people are picketing on the street. This man does not want to be president anymore. No, he doesn't. Nope. Um, Ted Sarandos, who is the Netflix co-CEO, um, is concerned that this is my bits and bobs section is concerned that a fair deal will set a precedent for writers and actors in other territories to ask for fair deals. Yo, that's that's your full ass is on display, sir. Yes, sir. Um, get out of here. <laughs> how do you uh, how do you say these things? Well, I mean, it's because they're billionaires and they don't they don't have morals. But like, I don't understand how you say that to somebody and you're like, this will not affect me whatsoever. It's because I don't care. It's just because I don't care. They really don't care. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's Dennis awful. Randos, F you. He doesn't care, Ben. No. I know he, he doesn't. He doesn't care. He's smoking his, he his million dollar cigar. He doesn't care until Korea's on strike against him. Yeah, until it gets yeah. It's oh, the yeah. Woody Allen, it's the Woody Allen from Zombieland dabbing his eyes with money. <laughs> Woody Harrelson? Woody, Woody Harrelson. Harrelson. Man, that's oh, a very God. different movie. <laughs> Wow! I say like Alan, ninety-year-old yeah. Alan. Wow, you, that's funny. Um, yeah. Anyway, so this is all really disrespectful, and all these links and all all these leaks and everything. And the the WGA is committed to negotiating, and they even put out a thing. Ryan mentioned it earlier of um the of the how much annually this will actually cost. Uh, the yeah. the the studios and it's and every every one of them is less than one percent. Yeah, every, yes. there, there was like six lists. I don't remember all of them, but you know Netflix, Disney, like all the big ones, and every single one was less than one percent. Right. It was like point one. It was like less than one tenth percent. It's I cannot believe it. It's so every week it, they just get worse and worse, and I just don't see how they they don't see that this is like again they're losing. This is, how do they not see it? This is one of those things where I'm like, there's there's just no way the shareholders are down with this. Yeah. Like the, the kind of loss that they are putting and I under I I get what the CEOs thought they were fighting for initially. And mm -hmm. part of that was like, you know, it, not that I agree with them, but yeah, I yeah. get I get what they were angling for. They yeah. didn't want uh these costs to be incurred year after year. Um they didn't want the creators to have more power frankly. Yeah. And they wanted to push AI uh it's that's really all it is and like you know regardless of like it's a loss it's still a loss and like 
there is a fluctuation in the residuals, you know, uh, again, like if they have to, and they should be honest about, uh, the viewership on these things the residuals can be high mm -hmm. and so it can raise it but again we're talking a matter of like under one percent to maybe a little above one percent it shouldn't it shouldn't really matter yeah um yeah. but they think it does and it's never proven more <laughs> again just not only do these very wealthy people have no fucking idea like what it's like to actually live uh our lives or just lives below uh, the the huge wealth line. How much does uh, the banana cost? But they're also idiots. They're just stupid. They're just so stupid. Yeah. And it's very much like just baffling that like, why are you even where you are? Like, how did you, how did this happen? You're so dumb. Um, And they're all stupid. <laughs> they're just all so stupid. They're divorced and, from reality. And I don't get how, how this isn't going to shake out badly for them in the end. Yeah. Uh, it, and I do mean in terms of shareholders. I don't, like, I know they have their parachutes. They're still going to be wealthy afterwards, but they will lose their jobs. Like they're not, they are costing more than they are gaining at this point. And yeah. it's very clear to everybody except them for some goddamn reason. Yeah. <laughs> Here we went full Paget Brewster. Do you know what sarcastic means? No, of course you don't. You're an idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I, I, Ted Sarandos had oh, to be like, "It's so dumb. It's genius. No, it's just, it's just dumb." dumb. Just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, like for real. Like these people. Like I every every week on 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 Twitter, I I see something that Elon Musk has said, and I'm just like, "How are you here? How did this happen? How did like once, people... once you get a certain amount of zeros in your bank account, your brain just like disappears?" Because here's the it secret, y'all. Because here's the secret, y'all. They went to big name colleges, but they paid their way through it. They're idiots. They're not educated. They don't know what they're doing. They're stupid. And like, you don't have to have a good college education to be smart. And and like, that's not what I mean. But like, these men do not care about knowing shit about fuck. And it just, it's especially bad that we're talking about like the creative arts. And these are people who are not creative people. And that's just, that's who runs the, the the arts industry are businessmen and that's just like unfortunately never going to change because they, they have money um but hopefully we can get we can work around where we can like work together how it used to but be. the thing is like because you always have the shareholders running things anyway and they're business people yeah ideally you would want someone who's running up these things that decide art yeah to be more creative absolutely you absolutely no yeah, yeah i know that's not yeah. but like it like, should be because you've got the business people who fund the things anyway like uh, it's definitely not He's not up here as high, but like James Gunn is like, I think like the most recent like hire that's like, that dude's a creative person. He is running an entire movie, like a, a movie division. And like that dude, right. like that dude is like, like a movie director. That For dude's sure. not a businessman. He has a businessman partner. And I'm like, I don't want like, you know, that's I don't want do. like, I don't want Danny Velnew to like run Warner Brothers or anything, but like you, just, honestly, you need people who know the business inside and out to run a business Which, like to this. be honest with you, that's kind of the model that I think it should be. It should be someone who is a creative person then someone who's a business person sharing the role of leading these kinds of businesses. Absolutely. And these kinds of studios and companies. Like it should be a creative person alongside a business person to fight for both sides of what's needed. Absolutely. The reason why Pixar worked so for so long is because it was run by creative people they were all right. they were all animators absolutely yeah, yeah. and it, absolutely like and we don't need to get into the whole pixar thing but like what like the big problem with pixar has not been them doing this to their movies it's right. like people upstairs putting them on streaming services i'm like it all it's always up it's always up top people just want to make good shit let them just let them pay the people but it's okay ted sarandos is a union man 
Fuck oh, yeah, my daddy was a union man. I hope it, well, I, I'd be on that picket line myself if I could, but I can't. I got a helicopter. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, why. If I go too low, that'll kill people. Yeah, I won't I won't advocate for anybody to um, necessarily like watch the Republican primary debates or anything like that. However, it is important to note that a key point of them talking is a lot of them are talking about union busting. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are talking anti-union stuff. Note that it's happening. Pay attention. Uh, our unions are clearly never more important than ever. And again, like while the biggest, most clear and eye-catching piece is the strikes happening with the WGA and SAG-AFTRA, they know this is increasing the desire for union activity and they are afraid. Uh, and they should be um, because it it's going to win back more power for the working class. It's true. The only in my opinion, the only good thing that ever came out of the pandemic was that people people woke up and realized what they were actually worth. And yeah. it wasn't and it wasn't enough anymore. Um, yeah. and which is why we were talking about like these these we talked about it, we didn't talk about it, but it, the uh, Disney and, and and Warner Brothers are are paying lobbyists to keep an eye out for AI legislation. That would give yes. them tax incentives. Um, they are these Repu they, They're not. They're not giving the money. Well, they are in some cases. Um, but there's one party getting a lot more money. Um, and the Republic. The Republican Party is, is is saying these things because there is a genuine fear that is happening in the eyes of these greedy, wealthy people. Right. Because they know they're losing. Right. And, and like whatever side of the aisle you're on, uh, I, I'm not telling you what to think, but I am asking that you consider that anybody, anybody on either side that is running in politics who is talking shit about unions, especially teacher unions, but just in general unions, uh, they're not for you and recognize that they're not for you. They are bought. They are in the, the pocket of big money and that's what they care about. And that will always be their priority. If they yeah. are anti-union, they are anti-you. It's true. Can't yeah. spell you without union. Um, and that's just going to be more and more. I think that's going to be more and more important over the next decade, as you said, Brandon, because of a response to the pandemic and everybody like kind of getting fast tracked into something that was going to happen anyway, which is everybody being like, oh, the system we live under is actually um, crushing us. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's time to change it. Yeah. Cut it out. Well, some Disney news real quickly. This is all in, this is all in relation to the strikes. Um, one of them... Less so unless you know where to look. Um, the Spiderwick Chronicles mm. has been canceled. Yeah. Oh, um, sure. Disney has canceled the filmed, completed, edited, done first season of the Spiderwick Chronicles. Oh, I didn't. I thought it was like uh, not even done. Oh, they're doing a Batgirl. Uh, filming had wrapped in January. Oh. oh. Um, I, I, like, I wasn't even like excited, but like that's just shitty, dude. That's. Yeah, I looked. This, I looked this up because one of the articles says it's finished, and yeah, filming wrapped in January. Um, however, they are going to uh, be allowed to shop it. That's good. So okay. it's not. It's not disappearing. This is a completed show, though. Like this, the show is done, and they're yeah. not. And they're just done with it. Okay, thank God that it's at least getting get to be seen somewhere. Because again, this is, like I, this, Prodigy. Is another... this is like what happened with Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah, that's going to a, another network. Yeah. So it should. It hasn't been announced yet. Okay, um, uh, but it's a it's a it's a completed show that is going that is that has been quote unquote canceled and is going to be shopped around to another thing. Well, I mean that's it, that's like the best case scenario for some for like you know something that is that is 
quote unquote canceled. So like that's that's great. Um, I saw that movie in theaters when it came out in the two thousands. I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. Um, I remember it had the good doctor in it. It sure and some and some spiders and and there's chronicling, I believe. Um, Christopher Eccleston is in that in that movie. Oh, he there there are multiple <laughs> good doctors. I am um, a surgeon. Sorry. Wait, is Christopher Eccleston in that one? Is that the one where he's on the horse and he's got the like the long hair? No. Which was that one? The Spider Chronicles. It's a little boy, and it was like it's like an it's English. Freddie Highmore. Oh, I don't. It's, I don't remember. I haven't seen it in twenty years. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, and uh, Blu-ray, some Blu-ray releases. We're not going to. Um, okay. Sorry, I shouldn't have read that while I was talking in the middle of what I was talking. We just got a private message from Ben. Do you want me to read it for you? No, I'm kidding. Um, some Blu-ray releases are happening uh, from Disney+. Plus. This is pretty big. This is actually really big news um, because this means a certain something. So Disney is going to release uh, WandaVision, Loki, um, and the first two seasons of The Mandalorian on Blu-ray. And Prey. And Hulu will release Prey. Right, but Hulu's Disney. Sure, I, 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 but that's why I didn't say pray immediately. Um, sure. So, the timing you know for this... That, but, but you know how that you know they're all coming from the same people? Because they all have the same basic format of art design. Oh, you're right, they do. Yes, they do. They were all done by the same artists, including yeah. Pre. Um, but yeah, so so this is, this is big because yeah. um, uh, Disney Plus originals have uh, not been put on uh, physical media as a, uh, yet, and Prey has. We've been begging for a Prey Blu-ray for years, right? Um, even before the movie came out, and so like these, so like this is really big because like this is now creating. Uh, this is now going to the physical media market, which uh, once again Netflix tried to kill because they thought they didn't need it anymore. But clearly, if Disney is doing this, it's because they know that there's money being left on the table that they can get. Well, they, they definitely, I, I will say, like, they they wonder if there's money left on the table is probably where we're at. This is a big test. Uh, and this is a test. Um, and if these sell, then you're going to see a lot more of it. And if yeah. they don't, then we won't. Mm -hmm. um, but they're but they're banking on, like, Marvel and Star Wars people want their complete sets. Yeah. Like, they, they, yeah. they love collecting. That's and a like, thing. But, but Prey is the big one because Prey shows that they were actually listening. Yeah. Um, and honestly, let's let's put it where it is. Dan Trachtenberg is a person who definitely was taking all the amount of people asking for it and shoving it and showing oh, yeah. it and saying, like, I think you should do it. I think you should do it. Um, and and I want to advocate, like, Trachtenberg definitely is a big part of, like, why we're actually getting a physical release. It was really um, cool. And the fans asking for yeah, it. Yeah, if you follow him on Twitter, like, we kind of knew this was coming because the day before, he's like, guys, I have, really, I have a really big announcement tomorrow. And, like, like uh, it, was, it was a new movie? And everyone's kind of like... <laughs> and Osprey, yeah, and this is and this is great, and I highly encourage you that you know if you are a person who wants these things uh, to own, please buy these, pre-order them, get them uh, if you have the means and you have the opportunity. We need to show them that this matters so that they keep doing it. And why we are talking about it, even though we're you know in the midst of the strikes and everything, this is good for the creators because those things are still bound by previous contracts related to home media, which means that they still get their benefits they're supposed to from home mm -hmm. media sales. Residuals. <clears throat> exactly. That's what I was about to say. Um, and if Prey sells more, then we'll get our sequel where it's Viking Predator or Samurai Predator. Or, or Pirate. Or Pirate. <laughs> or pirate. Oh, pirate. A game will just be coming to life. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I was just going to say this is, this is, this is good. 
have for a long time we were all kind of scared that like disney plus and hulu they weren't gonna put their originals on physical media because for a while netflix was i remember going to target of course you know stranger things had uh, physical media um i remember seeing house of cards had physical media a lot of classic netflix shows had physicals and then once streaming essentially took over they stopped pr- producing them and well disney I... has real quickly been disney has neglected this market for way longer than they've had disney plus um yeah, tron uprising doesn't have a yeah. physical release um the all of ducktales doesn't have a physical release well there's like four episodes released but like, most most things that they made for television regardless of if it was made for a streaming service or television like it almost never saw a full release and even yeah. then not necessarily a, a well-catered one yeah yeah i remember um notably god his name is escaping me right now but the creator of gravity falls had to fight Alex Hirsch. And then, and even then, that had to be done through Shout. Shout. Oh Shout. wow! Shout Factory did that. Yeah. Wow, that's messed up. Yeah, and Gravity Falls is one of those shows that I feel that does Disney really well. Okay, that did very well in Disney. It has a huge fan base. People were willing to spend money for Gravity Falls stuff, and the fact right. that Disney didn't immediately put it out on physical media is just kind of well, and like. You can you can see it right there, right, Ben? Which is because like it had to go to shout because Disney didn't want to pay the manufacturing costs for it. So instead, they were willing to take a a benefit cost while um, shout pays for the manufacturing up front and takes a small percentage of the profit in order for it to release. Because shout was like Gravity Falls will sell, especially if it's on Blu-ray, it will sell. Mm-hmm. And Alex Hirsch knew that, and Disney wasn't convinced, and so they didn't want to pay manufacturing costs. Wrong. I mean, part of me really hopes that a lot of these physical releases do very, very well. So Max can get off their ass and actually put close enough on physical. They're probably not going to do it. That's I know weird. this is just... That, this that's, is... The, real quickly, Ben, that's weird that it's not. Because HBO Max is, even now under Zasloff, pretty good at releasing their originals on, Blu- on Blu-ray. Yeah, but uh, ever since I they will, pulled a bunch of I their original re- stuff, that's... Uh, I will rebuttal and say that if it's animation, they're actually pretty garbage. Um, Warner Brothers just kind of as a unit has been pretty bad about this. Um, Unless it was Adventure Time. uh, And even then, Adventure Time, they stopped stopped making Blu-rays halfway through the season releases and it became only DVD. So like, they do not treat their animation well. And then if you're like Craig of the Creek or Gumball, sorry, you don't get anything. Um, Like, it's it's very difficult to get animated shows out of them. Regular show itself, which was uh, same creators as Close Enough, that only got two seasons released before they just stopped. So, like, will Close Enough happen? I don't know. They gotta change their minds about uh, releasing animation. Yeah. If well, if Fiona and Kate gets released because Adventure Time Distant Lands got released in Blu-ray, I'd be interested to see if Fiona and Kate gets released. And if it does, I'd be pretty confused when Close Enough wouldn't get released because it's either because they know adventure time has a larger audience than shows like close enough or even regular show but at the same time there you know there are people out there who are willing to spend money for these um physical collections well and, and I, it's i mean yeah i, I got mean, part... go ahead finish your thought. no I, I was just gonna just ramble off about how i still hope that these like the disney plus physical releases once again do well so other companies take notice and they start releasing more stuff physically but at the same time I, knowing Warner Brothers and their track record, and especially what Zaslov likes to do, um, I am still like, I I have, it's like, that would be great, but I'm not holding my breath for it, because unfortunately with him and his track record, it's like the second he, he says, oh, we're going to do this, he's not going to change his mind about it. Yes. 
I gotta tell you, and I'm part of the problem 100% because I am part of like, I, I guess this is a community I'm part of and, and I'm actively involved in like talking, uh, putting my voice in there. But like, uh, uh, we don't want these animated shows in super compressed 1280 by 720 standard definition when they are not designed that way. It's different when it's an older show that's upscaled. Mm -hmm. um, but these shows are made in beautiful animation in HD. And they should see HD releases. And when they don't, and they only put out DVDs and not very good ones that are compressing really hard to fit more episodes on a disc, Bleh. we don't want them. Bleh. We can watch it better on streaming or other ways. Arr. On our computer. Arr. But that's the problem. Is like We want these things, but they so often just to default to like bad DVD collections of them that we don't buy them. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then they think there's no market, and it's like, no, there's a market. It's just we don't want 720p. <laughs> release, yeah. release the good thing. And to be honest with you, like it would be the same. I'd be like, I would be having a much harder time with some of the releases we're talking about to bring it back to the news for Prey and the Marvel and the Star Wars stuff if all they released was Blu-ray. I'm like, you know, uh, Blu-ray is good, and I'd probably still buy it. But these were made that they can be in 4K. There should be 4K releases. We're here now. Especially Prey. Yeah. I'm like, I want that in 4K. That's beautiful. I feel like Disney, uh, like, they got, well, they Prey, got the money. Prey to did get a 4K, right? Huh? Prey did get a 4K release, right? Yes, these all have 4K. I'm, my right. only point is, like, if they weren't doing that, if they were going the same kind of style route as, like, what would be appropriate to DVD the bare minimum. animation, yeah. where they're like, eh, yeah, just some Blu-rays, I'd be like, no. Also, these are loaded with special features, which is great. Yes. Hell yeah. Some of them, even ones for the Disney Plus shows that we haven't seen. Yeah. WandaVision is going to sell like hotcakes because people love that show. Regular people mm. love that too. show. Loki, Loki too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just I, w I went onto my HBO Max app to see if I uh, see if Close Enough was still there because I hadn't I couldn't remember if it was taken off or not. And then it, it got it got me to hey download Max. Why the hell didn't you just update the app? Oh yeah, on my yeah, uh, I had to change my my app thing on my computer because if you go to the original thing it says oh did you mean to go here winky face I'm like i mean no but i guess jesus christ i really it's like if, if musk changes the domain name of twitter to x.com well i mean it is right. but like if you couldn't go to twitter.com anymore uh uh gary witta the writer of the book of eli and other movies but specifically the book of eli on hbo max he was like the seventh build person in that on the credits behind like like background extras and shit right like, and sometimes i created did, this movie sometimes his name didn't even show up and yeah he's like this is crap and then and then like literally the next day got fixed because somebody went in and did it automatically and i'm like it's just a the fact system that, yeah the fact that it's still messed up they yeah. need to hire people to actually go in and do that it's true yeah. like that's labor that needs to be done hot labor uh some delays happened this week from warner brothers who knew this was coming no. sony already no, did it no. warner brothers no. okay so some cancellations happened um <laughs> looking for a blanket to cover you it's in. okay <laughs> do you want me to do the the bad one first no go from go from top to bottom okay the lord of the rings the war of the rohirrim um was delayed from its april 12th release date to december 13th so a full year almost a, more than a year from now uh this is next year 2024 hold on hold on hold on december 2024 is when we're seeing this thing we're talking about yes this is another Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, this, this is, is like a year but... and a half away. For those of you who don't know, this is the anime Lord of the Rings film that's been in development for a few years now. It looks awesome. 
Um, Godzilla X Kong, the new empire has moved from its March 15th, 2024 release date to April 12th, 2024. Not too bad. Oh, it's just a bump. Okay. Yeah. That's that, that really just feels like trying to make room for the other things that they know are pushing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dune part two. Yeah. <laughs> has been moved from its November 3rd, 2024, really 2023 release date this year. It was going to be out this year. To March 14th, 2024. That's just an awful date for a dude movie. Crazy. That's like yeah. even insane. The fact that they moved it, like I get it, but like that is an awful date for dude. It, it like, doesn't make sense. Do, to be honest with you, it doesn't make sense. It was too deep in the marketing. There are other things here where it's like, sure, whatever. Um, Dune was too deep in its marketing and pretty much owned the rest of the year. They just had a holiday, like a huge entertainment spread the next day from the delay, the huge like magazine spread with all the people, and I'm like, Good timing, guys. Does not make sense. Uh, Absolutely mind-boggling, and everyone else has said so, where they're like, this is the thing that gets Zazzle fired. Like, this doesn't make any goddamn in a, sense. In a year where Oppenheimer, a rated R three-hour movie, almost makes a billion dollars, people are hungry for this. Pe people want to go to the movies for this type of shit. And Dune, incredible movie, that sequel, that's where all the, the crazy shit happens, and like that's what people are waiting for. Uh, this is... Uh, I'm, I'm excited about the movie. Like, getting played, it's not actually that big of a deal, but like, they are they are going to lose money on this movie now. This will not make as much money if it comes out in March as compared to November. Uh, the, November? It, depends, it depends how many other things move their dates to yeah. in other studios. Yeah. Because it could own March depending how long these go because other things are going to get pushed back. That's also scary. What if something else comes out like the same week or something? Yeah, and, like, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's the thing. We're going to see a lot of the movies that are pushed, uh, that, are in, that are in the winter season pushed to next year. Um, the weird thing about pushing Dune, however, is that it's marketing. Uh, as you've mentioned, uh, Ryan Sparks, that the it, it is very deep in its marketing. Now, Aquaman and Lost Kingdom hasn't started its marketing campaign. Right. So I I said to him, I think what it is is they are just going to send Aquaman to die because that is a weird universe. It is a universe that, like, even though uh, Jason Momoa might continue as this character or another character, that is a movie. Unlike The Flash, which they banked on, they're not going to bank on Aquaman. That movie's probably too expensive, and I, there's probably not going to be a third one. So I think I think we'll get a trailer unless sometime does, soon. Unless it does a billion, which if it has no competition, it might. I just I don't I just don't know if if in this current state, I don't know if Aquaman two can make a billion dollars. Nothing nothing else has proved to me more this year Aqu than uh, if it's, Avatar. Then if it's good, yeah, and there's good word of mouth, people will go to it. Yeah, that's true. And so, like, true. and and because it's still won, and Aquaman was good. If this people one is like good, Momoa. people are going to go see it. And right now, it does not have stiff competition in theaters. Yeah. So if it still comes out in December, it kind of owns the market for a while. Yeah. So it has a good chance of doing well. Um, That's a good point. But I, in terms of Dune, I don't know why you would willingly sign up for um. What was the last Daniel Craig Bond film? I forget. Oh, the no name. time to no time to die. I don't know why you would willingly sign up for a No Time to Die marketing problem. Oh, for sure. Which, that one suffered because of the pandemic. True. I don't know why you would willingly go through that with Dune. Yeah. yeah. Um, because Dune shouldn't have another trailer. No. It's going to have to now. It yep. shouldn't. Absolutely. And a movie um, that high profile doesn't... Again, like Oppenheimer, like they they stopped they stopped their uh their marketing trail like midway through the premiere, right? And that movie still made all the money. Same with Barbie. So like, you don't need marketing for a movie this big. But like they think they do, and well, it's gonna ruin them. The the issue. So a lot of people are there's there's people online blaming blaming the strikers, and that's wrong. It's it's one hundred percent on the studios because mm -hmm. what they're what they're doing is they're telling they're telling you exactly that 
hey, doing the actors and writers doing press for these movies is very important to the success of them. The Marvels is coming out this year. And what a shame is that we're not going to see the three of them on the press tour together. Uh, a lot of people have talked about like how, how sad it is. Like, you know, it, by all accounts, Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle is a pretty good movie. And how yeah. unfortunate it is that the star can't even like promote it. Sure. Yeah. Um, which is a huge bummer that he's suffering because of this idiotic studio bullshit. Um, yes. uh, because he should be able to live in his moment right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they kind of get away with doing things like you can release, oh, this is when I found out I got casted Blue Beetle. Like you can do stuff like that. Um, but you can't uh, market the film and like and enjoy uh, the fact that people are really liking it. Um, someone on this podcast included. I can't right. say who because it's strike breaking. Um, it, it was probably ben. Brandon. It was Ben. I suspect. Shh. Ben. Nobody looks at his letterbox, right? So he's fine. I haven't looked at letterbox <laughs> in 25 years. That's true. Nobody <laughs> looks at my letterboxed. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, that, that yeah, whatever. Um, this is stupid, and we'll hopefully the marketing doesn't kill this movie. I hope uh, Aquaman's good, man. Speaking, I really of, do. speaking of Letterbox, there is a very good list someone made that's like all the movies that have been delayed because the studios refuse to pay their actors and writers, and it's like it's a pretty comprehensive one. Good. You should take a look at it. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Bottoms also came out this week, and it sucks that we can't get the cast together to do things like this. Uh, that would be legendary. If you paid, if you paid your your writers and actors, uh, no, we wouldn't even have a problem. Less than one percent. Sparks, I'm sorry, but a league of their own has officially been canceled. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Due to the strikes, uh, Amazon is taking the opportunity to cancel its initial second season order for that show and the show Peripheral. That's the Carly Grace Moritz show, uh, both of which had um, received second season orders, and now they will not. Strikes are just an excuse. This is this is really shitty because it's not like oh the first season didn't do well and we're canceling it. They got the second season order. Not okay. only that, but like while people were campaigning for like the second season order of half half the episodes is bullshit. When you were out here championing yeah. that this is one of your most highly awarded shows on Prime, yeah, and that they still did that and they got the responses they did and and knew it was an unpopular decision and now they're doing this and everyone's like oh, and no, instead of just waiting out of here instead of like instead of waiting. And when, you know, eventually you'll pay your writers. You can get both of these shows, which are both critically acclaimed, back on the air. You're just canceling them. I'm like, man, so, these people really are dumb. Here's yeah. the official statement from Amazon. This is Well, this is the official reason why. So it's not the statement, it's the reason why. Amazon claims that because of these strikes, uh, the, the next season won't be out before 2025. Um, which would create too long of a gap between season one and two. And we just can't have that for our quarterly earnings, which goes back to the idea of this ridiculous notion of infinite growth and placing mm-hmm. everything on a spreadsheet in order to, to reach weird numbers that don't matter in the long run. Yeah. Um, I call, I call bullshit. It's 100% it bullshit. They no, took, no. they just took the excuse. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, they did. Because if fans can wait 14 years for an incredible sequel, we can wait another year and a half for a League of Their Own. If people yeah. can wait super long time from, for their shows to come back post-pandemic, when everything shut down due to safety reasons, we can wait a little bit longer for the strikes to settle and for our favorite shows to come back. Oh, Brandon, this remember is absolute Black bullshit. Black? Remember Battlestar Galactica? I don't remember what season, but there was like a year, year and a half wait between one of the seasons. And it's not yep. because of a strike. It's just because, yo, man, that show takes a long time to make. 
Okay, even though uh, the, Stranger Things, the, the gaps between Stranger Things seasons are are are, are long enough that these kids are, are too old now. This show is yeah. going to be 10 years in development by the time we get that next season. 10 years. I mean, I mean, by by all accounts, right? You're you if you applied this argument sincerely, um, Netflix is looking at the same thing with the Stranger Things yeah. last season. Like it, it's the same situation. They're still going through with Oh, uh, hey Mike. This is, this is such this is such horse shit. Um and if I made like one more example, even though it sounded really, uh, you know, the end product wasn't very good, Game of Thrones took a year and a half off to <laughs> film its final season. A year and a half. Hey, but that, that show, show... Like, at least looks good. Yeah, yeah, but still, people, if there's if they have a show that has like League of Their Own critically acclaimed, won so many awards, has a bunch of fans, we will wait. Fans will wait. It's okay. We understand. We're not. We're not constantly banging at the gates to give us our shows. This is absolute bullshit. Amazon. Yeah, it's off. just in. It, it it continues to be. This isn't even related to the strikes problem. This is just a general problem where like, it's so insane when they decide like, this show's doing okay. It's got a lot of attention. Good critical acclaim. More people might watch it before the next season. Yeah, let's cancel it and put out something new that who knows how well it'll do. They're always betting on like the next best thing instead of like, uh, we're not sure. Like number a number one will always sell more than a number three. You know we desire like. constant growth, but God forbid we ever allow growth in an audience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's not going uh, to anyway. be the first. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Brandon. No, I was going to wrap it up. So if you have more to say, I was just going to say like I still encourage people to watch that show. It's a solid, excellent eight episode season. Um, I really think you should enjoy it. Watch it's it before they take it off. It's unfortunate there won't be any more. Oh my God, that will really. Get, you want to bet? Give um, it a week. Uh, but I, I highly encourage you to watch it. It's an, it, it's an excellent sapphic show. Um, I, I really, really like it. It's unfortunate because there's, there is an amount of like, there's one character story who you're following in particular. And I'll just say like, she's just frankly, she's not part of the team. Um, but part of the point is like the whole season is getting her to the point where she will be involved with the team. Mm -hmm. And that would have been the next season. And we'll never see that. Yeah. Tomorrow. Well, this is not going to be the first time it happens. The, the, the last time it happens, sorry. Uh, we're going to be seeing a, probably a few more of these before the strikes are over. Um, yeah. I'm getting glow flashbacks. Yeah, there's certainly an, an element of anything that was, especially now with like, you know, things like Spider Chronicles and Pro Star Trek Prodigy being canceled and taken off the services before the, after they're filmed and ready to go. Um, we're going to be seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of the studios take advantage of maybe we don't need to spend this much money on the show anymore and make the excuse that it's just going to be too long of a gap for our quarterly earnings. Yep. Yeah. All right. This is not part of the strikes, but this is cool. And I want it to happen so badly. Bonnie Aarons, who some may know as Valak? Vatic? Valak? Valak. Valak. See, I can't. Now I, I said it first. I said it right the first time, but I always, but I'm always so paranoid about it now. Ben's uh, best friend, Valak, the nun herself of the of, uh, of the Conjuring universe. You have her. Is she there, Ben? Is she with us? She's he's digging for something. Oh shit, she's there. He the has her. Nope, that's Annabelle. The... Hey, Bob. Oh yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, look at yeah, that. Nun. Uh, yes, Ben. There, you have a box. Do you have a bunch Mer of magazines behind you that can turn into the, the image of the nun? She'll come out and reach for you. Merchandise just like I this. <laughs> so, um, Bonnie Aarons, 
who plays who, who plays the the nun is suing Warner Brothers. Um, this is why she claims they are hiding the true amount they've made off merchandise featuring her character. Um, the contract that she has with Warner Brothers includes a revenue share for merchandise. So if Warner Brothers, it's basically she's saying that Warner Brothers is saying, "Hey, we actually make this much money when in fact they make this much money," um, and Bonnie is not getting paid the money that she has deserved. I a hundred percent believe that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like the nun is the nun is a very popular merchandisable uh, image and uh, character. Like not just like the little like fun uh, toys, but like costumes. I mean, yeah, definitely yeah, Halloween. Absolutely. And Ben has one. Like yeah. I mean, like give Bonnie Aaron's her money for Ben's merchandise, please. Give her that nickel. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a hell of a character. It's got two movies, uh, centered ar- around her. Like. The, the 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 nun is incredible is an incredibly popular visual yeah. image it's everywhere Absolutely. and she she's she's not getting the money she deserves she she is considered a horror icon on the level of like visually the same as you know chucky and and all the other modern like, yeah he's held up in the same in the same tier of like visually recognizable and distinct yes so she absolutely should fight for this by the way i think it's very funny that anybody who doesn't like know the history of like fake nerd podcast stuff or anything thinks ben just really likes the the nun and owns this <laughs> instead of knowing the history of why he has it and i and i will not change that mind ben if you loves just came horror this movies. episode that's hilarious King of horror movies stephen king's best friend <laughs> all right that's the strikes that's everything that's going on with the strikes um hope that's you guys long, enjoyed that was a that. long conversation a lot of strikes yeah stuff. We do have more to talk about, however, because there's some comic book news. Uh, last time, we did not put this in the news, but I was reminded to put it in the news for this week. Uh, Tom Brevoort, uh, who is the Avengers editor, also uh, has been there for 25 years, um, is moving to the X office next year at some point after Jordan D. White, who is the current X editor, been there since 2018. Uh, steps down. So yeah, Ryan, you know yes. more about Tom Brevoort. Yes, I know all about this. This is lovely. This this caused quite a ruckus on comic book Twitter because this is a massive change, not just for um for X Men, the X Men line, but for all of Marvel. Because Tom Brevoort has been there since the eighties. He is there. He's been their head editor. Uh, uh, not just like he is the Avengers and Fantastic Four editor, but he is kind of like the overall arching guy too. He oversees everything. Him becoming the X Men editor is monumental and it's massive um because the x-men uh uh as you guys know are not in the mcu yet uh and they are slowly building towards yo we are going to make the x-men the the pride of, of of marvel as it used to be in the 90s in the 90s that the x-men had like 20 books y'all it was selling millions of copies x-men is the biggest at the time like there will never be a bigger franchise in comic books than x-men i'm over batman over spider-man like x-men is was so big it's incomprehensible when we were children right and then with powers uh powers of x and house of, uh house of 10 reverse that the cocoa, era. the cocoa era uh it has been such an influx of older fans newer fans the comics are selling more than they ever have newer voices newer voices uh a lot more uh uh diverse voices lgbt voices so like it is a beautiful era and when you have someone like tom brevoort coming in who has been running the avengers for such a long time people are really scared that especially with the MCU side coming along, they're going to go back to basics. Everything we've building up with Kokoa stuff, it's all going to go back to, back to oh, it's, it's Charles Xavier in a mansion. And uh, people are really reactionary, and uh, and I get it, but like 
all you have to do is look at Tom Brevoort's history. And though he is not a dude who is a back-to-basics kind of guy. He's the guy who oversaw Hickman's entire run on Fantastic Four and Avengers. He saw all of Bendis' Avengers stuff. And Bendis is the guy who made Avengers a household name. Y'all don't, you, you all know this, but people in the audience, Avengers is like the biggest movie of all time, right? The Avengers mm-hmm. sucks as a team in comic books. Until Bendis came onto that team, the Avengers were a joke. It's always been Justice League over Avengers. Like, always. Always in the comic books, right? Until Bendis came on, and he made the new Avengers with Wolverine and the Thing and Luke Cage, and he really made the Avengers something awesome and different. Um, and that's what Tom Brevoort's good at. He is good at reinventing. He is good at giving people a chance to express themselves in a weird way. All of the stuff with Krakoa, it's not going to go away, y'all. It is going to go a little more back to basics with the MCU stuff. But, like, you guys have read plenty of Krakoa stuff now, and you know what original X-Men stuff looks like. There's no way in hell after everything we've been through, we're going to go back to just a white dude in his mansion with a bunch of kids. We will never go back to that in the comic books ever again, because that is that is so regressive on a level like that's like insulting. Um, so I just wanted to bring it up because like people are really scared. And this isn't going to happen for potentially even longer, potentially longer than a year, because both uh, uh, Kieran Gillen talked about because people are scared. Oh, is Kieran Gillen going to leave the X-Men? He's like, no, I still have my entire run for the next two years lined out. Uh, everything that we're talking about now at Brevoort isn't happening for a long time. It's just, we're telling you now, so it's not a surprise. Uh, but he's doing it now to build up. So when the MCU stuff happens, it is a beautiful synergistic moment. Um, so this is news for now that we won't actually talk about uh, until Krakoa era is over. Um, but it was really an interesting time online because people were freaking out and understandable because the Krakoa era is one of the most special things to happen in comic books and people don't want to lose that. Um, and Braveheart is such a good editor. He knows that. And we're not going to lose it. If anything, it gives me more, more uh, hope that the future is going to be continuously weird. And them pushing the X-Men to the forefront of the comics, they're not going to put them back in the mansion. They are going to be worldwide still. So uh, I think it's just a fun a fun little topic. Uh, there's great discussions online. Read Tom Brevoort's uh, uh, editorial about this. I'm talking about it. It's really cool. He's a great dude. Uh, he's like the most knowledgeable person at Marvel. Um, it's really exciting. Uh, the X-Men are in a great place now, and it's only going to get better, in my opinion. So check out those comics, baby. Yeah, so this will happen uh, probably towards the end of next year, the switch, because uh, Jordan D. White said that he's got an, a major X-Men event coming up that he wants that he's obviously going to oversee. And mm-hmm. then uh, uh, even um, uh, Tom Brevoort said there's a major Avengers event coming up in the next year that uh, he needs to oversee before this change happens. So. Yeah, we got we got Jed McKay's Avengers on right now, which uh, I read the first issue. It's really cool. It's really fun. Uh, that seems to be a pretty much uh, like not a what's the right word like not a stopgap book, but it definitely feels like a book of like this is not the actual huge Avengers book that Marvel is pushing. This is the one before. This is the book that came before House of X, Powers of Ten Avengers book, is what it is. Mm-hmm. So whatever the next era of Avengers is going to be is going to be big and wild and different with a brand new editor for the first time in 30 years. It's going to be really interesting. The next couple of years of Marvel is going to be really fascinating because it's the first time that all the big figureheads have actually changed positions. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really exciting. Um, and again, as an X-Men guy, I'm really excited about it. Very cool. Speaking of we- X-Men, speaking of X-Men, Sabretooth War is coming to the pages of Wolverine. This will be written by Benjamin Percy and Victor Lavelle. They were going to co-write 10 issues of the of the current Wolverine ongoing comic um, called The Sabretooth War, which we'll see Wolverine and Sabretooth go up against each other. Uh, well, Wolverine and the Sabretooths. There's multiple. Sabretooth. 
Yeah, man. Uh, Sabretooth is a comic that came out. That miniseries was excellent. And then there was a sequel, Sabretooth and the Exiles, also excellent. Uh, and they didn't give him another Sabretooth book, which is fine. They gave him something better. They gave him a co-writing a Wolverine uh, double arc, which is fantastic. Because, like, Wolverine does sell better than a Sabretooth book. So, like, getting more eyes on Victor Lavelle as a writer is is worth it. Because I you've read Sabretooth, right, Brandon? Yeah, that book is incredible. That is very much like, yo, we're talking about the police state and like and like being in prison, and like real world shit while dealing with superhero stuff. So like, it's awesome. And the fact that this is going to be in Wolverine is great. I love that book so much. I'm catching up on all the X-Men stuff now. Um, it's radical. It's good stuff. So not only that, it'll be drawn by Corey Smith and Jeff Shaw. Oh, um, Jeff Shaw is a wonderful artist. I love Jeff Shaw. So it's going to be, as I said, 10 parts. It's going to, it's going to come out uh, two a month. So five months, so over five months, um, there will be then Percy and Lavelle will co-write every issue. However, Corey Smith will draw the Wolverine chapters and Jeff Shaw will draw the Sabretooth chapters. Cool. That's cool. I love that. I love when when comics do that. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Visions is coming to comics again. Uh, it's called Star Wars Visions Peach Momoko number one. It's going to be a one shot uh, that will just be about not without about Peach Momoko, but it's a Peach Momoko Star Wars vision story. Um, so it's going to be a first in a new series of tales from comic creators untethered to previous Star Wars storytelling, much like the show. Um, this one, the first one will be about, uh, will picks up, picks up centuries after the death of a major Sith Lord with a cult called Ancock, having grown around the notorious dark side servant, Tata leader of the cult, uh, believes she is the rightful successor to the Sith Lord. Meanwhile, a girl named Keiko and her loyal droid uh, Jell are faced are fated to confront this new evil. So it's a you look at the artwork, it's what Peach Momoko does really well, kind of imagines like a feudal Japan-esque style for um iconography that we know. Um I'm excited for this. I'm really excited to see Star Wars Visions continue in comics with some great comic creators. And I love Peach Momoko, so uh, yeah. I'm thrilled that they're uh, they're doing like their own version of what Star Wars Vision is, but for comics instead of um, just animated, just making just comics out of one. the animated uh, stories. Thank God. Now that being said, there are a select few, a specific one uh, that I'm like, you want to do some comic stories about that? I'm down. Sure. But uh, <clears throat> I'm perfectly perfectly pleased to know that they'll be doing Star Wars Visions for comics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll read anything Peach Mocha does. Me too. Batman 89 Echoes is coming. Uh, Batman 89, obviously a comic book sequel to Batman Returns. Um, Sam Hamm is coming back to write. He is the writer of the screenplays for Batman, Batman Returns, and he wrote Batman 89. Uh, Ryan, I still can't pronounce his name. Joe Quinoa? Quinones? Oh, Quiones. Quiones. Um, Joe Quiones is the artist um I, again they they are reteaming uh so anyway batman 89 echoes will be about uh batman missing and scarecrow uh tim burton scarecrow yes. um and a tim burton harley quinn terrorizing gotham i'm very into this i read that first um i read the batman book i never read the superman 78 book but i will check it out eventually but i really liked 89 mostly um because of joe kionis's art uh his art's really great and really like 
he has a really distinct digital art style that I really like. He works on Howard the Duck. That's where I actually know him from most. Uh, but he's done a bunch of other stuff. But um, that's really fun. And like Two Face was in there, Ability Williams Two Face. So like, I love like as long as the art was good, like I'll I'll continue to read this universe. Like you know, it's fun. Uh, you know, seeing all all the eighty nine <clears throat> characters. You know, I love Michelle Pfeiffer is my Catwoman. So like, this is all fun. Seeing a new a, a, a new Scarecrow, I'm into it. You know, I'm good. The idea of introducing a a Tim Burton esque Scarecrow has me has me interested. Uh, mm -hmm. more than anything i i think that's a character that would work and look really well in the tim burton universe so i'm uh interested to see how they imagine that looks like yeah the concept art looks pretty interesting too superman 78 is also getting a sequel oh i didn't write the title of this one hmm. i missed it hmm. superman 78 sequel it's something 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 um, something something this will be written by Robert Vendetti once again, this time joined by Gavin uh, Guidry. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the only thing we know about because apparently they want to keep this, the villain, like the new villain they're introducing under wraps, although it's most likely Mentallo. Um, is, uh, this sequel deals with the revelation that another relic of Krypton crash landed in the Soviet Union, fueling the rise of a powerful new enemy for Christopher Reeve's Man of Steel. Brainiac. Um, the concept art... No, sorry, the cover art looks like it could be like the Soviet Union has found kryptonite. Like this is kryptonite and is going to put it in Metallo. Uh, sure, sure. Obviously, Brainiac is an option there too. Um, oh, no, Brainiac was in the first 78, so probably not. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I um, didn't read that, but I just, I'm now seeing the cover in my brain. You're right, you're right. Yeah. Uh, both of these are going to be out in November, and they all sound pretty cool. I like that I'll... Superman 78. I should probably read that first that first miniseries. Yeah, I'll definitely check I'll that out. I'll make up my next book club for you. <laughs> you don't have to. All right. This is some miscellaneous news. Um, Charles Martinet has uh, the, the voice of Mario, um, Ben's icon from Mexico. <laughs> oh my um, God. <laughs> Charles Martinet is, is uh, stepping down from the role of Mario. Uh, he is apparently not voicing the character in Super Mario Wonder, the upcoming Mario game, uh, that is someone else. And it was revealed uh, just this week that he has stepped down as the voice retired officially and will now be in the new role of Mario Ambassador. Stepping down from all voices in Mario, not just Yes, Mario. All, all voices in Mario. He is not Mario, Mario, Luigi. Wow. be a voice actor there. Yeah. So, uh, Ben, what do you think yeah. of this? It's time. It, yeah, as much as it bums me out, the man has done the voices of Mario and friends like Mario, Luigi, Wario, Waluigi for 30 some odd years, almost 30 some odd years. And it's a great career. And he's he's stepping down of his own volition. He's just like, you know what? I had a good run. I think it's time. And the fact that like even as we speak and as we record, he's in Long Beach at Collecticon right now signing autographs and he's still going to be going to conventions. He's still going to be um, celebrate. He he's doing this because he's like, it's time for someone else. And I'm, you know, it's it is a bit of a bummer because we're once again, we're so used to hearing his voice as Mario ever since uh, so many kids plucked in Super Mario 64 and then 64 way back in 1996. But it's it's a hell of a great career. And there's so many other Mario games where his voice is prevalent that we can play and still revisit you know that first? wonder. You know the first one? You know his first game? I want to say his first game was a Mario Activities game. 
for I want to say it was like a it was a Nintendo licensed PC game. You're right. You're right. I think he did that because uh, I just watched the video on it. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, this wasn't me trying to get you because I didn't know either. Uh, but he did he did like a small Mario thing as like a test, and then he did Super Mario RPG, and then he got to do mm-hmm. uh, uh, sixty four. It's kind yeah. of sad because uh, Super Mario RPG was so early in his career. Um, I think that that wonder isn't the thing he's going out on. Um, especially like you know when we saw that trailer, I certainly thought that he was did go out time. on a movie though. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at is that I kind of wish he was going out on Wonder instead of going out on the Super Mario movie. Being sure. the last mm-hmm. time he's involved with Mario, not as Mario, yeah. even though he's not a voice. A lot of people are pointing to like they're my oh, boys. Kind of sweet that his last line is that those are my boys, and I'm like, yeah, but I kind of wish he went out on a Mario game. Yeah, I hope it's gonna be really funny if if the Wonder voice he's like, wahoo, oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> Let's just go completely different guy. Um, yeah, uh, long career, long legacy. He's a good voice actor in general. So, do you yeah. think is he? Do you think he's the richest voice actor alive in terms of video games? Because he's done Mario for like thirty years, and Mario is the most uh, famous video game character of all time. In terms of video games, in terms of video games, not movies, because they make millions. But like, he's got to make how he's good that contract movies. was. He's got to be maybe a millionaire, super millionaire, right? Being Mario. You think? I don't know. I don't know. You think, right? I looked him up on his website, and his website would kind of say otherwise. Damn. They better not be doing my boy dirty. He's in Mario. Yeah. I'm going to look this up. Is is Charles Charles You think about it, you think about it, like, it's not like he records, like, full dialogue lines most of the time. No, but but still, he does record new stuff for every game. No, absolutely. Those games sell millions of copies. I, I, I agree. Yeah. I... I would not be surprised if he's not making as much as, say, like a Troy Baker is making off video games just oh, because of the amount sure. of time he yeah. spends in recording booth for the amount of variety of games. He's probably not the highest. Right? Yeah, uh, that's fair. I'm he, thinking, should he be? Maybe. Because I'm thinking, of, like, in terms of game sales, he probably no, I, I, I he think, is in he is in the most games sure. sold. Than I don't think anyone. that's I don't think that's how they do contracts. No, I get it. No. I'm just trying to has, yeah. I agree with you. He should probably. Yeah. Be. He definitely should make more than he does. What you got? As of as of 2023, he is worth 10 million dollars. Yeah, that sounds right. I'll take that. It's not bad. No, that's fantastic. That's like, I, like he should he should at least be a millionaire yeah. for working on Mario for 30 years. Yeah, yeah. but oh, and now part of me is also uh, while I am sad that he's not going to be voicing Mario anymore. Part of me is also glad because he's you know he gets to spend time with his family and also he gets to go to conventions. I want to say that coming out to Long Beach was one of the very few times he comes out to California because he hardly comes out here. He does mm-hmm. a lot of uh, I follow him on Instagram and, and social media, and he goes to a lot of conventions like um, in Europe and in South America and you know, a bunch of them on the East Coast. So it's like, hey, if there if I if there's a convention I'm going to and he's going to be there, I'm going to be in line. I'm going to pay for his autograph. I'm going to have him sign my cop a few of my Mario games. Um, but he's just yeah. He's an iconic voice, and there are still so many other things that we can enjoy his voice with. And, but I, yeah, he he went out on his own. He chose to do this. It, there's no scandal. There wasn't any bad blood between right. him and Nintendo. Yeah. He he went out good. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm just gonna relax a little bit more. And we're gonna kind of tell all in like three years, like Charles <laughs> Martin did, and how I was buried by Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the fact that he's still doing the mario voice on his instagram and uh on his social media pages is like he's obviously he has a lot of love and admiration for the character and mm-hmm. so do many of his fans myself included obviously but great career faster now 
yeah, he's an and he's an ambassador now. So you know what? Great career. And I yeah. I'm happy just, for him. It's just really weird timing. Like, why didn't they do this when they announced Super Mario Wonder? Well, I think they have a new voice actor, so I think they're gonna be like the next new the next trailer we get, it's like, and here's your new Mario. Right, but I like you put that like this just came so separated from it, it's kind of yeah. weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Sparks, you want to talk about an anime trailer? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the con- the concierge, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. No, that's not it. That's not it. Don't do that. The, do- the island of Dr. You're Moreau. gonna mess me up. Um, I remember the concierge something. It's by production ID, which is the animation yes. studio. Uh, it's it's the concierge at Hokioku Department Store. Um, yes. and yeah, it's from production ID. This is an anime film that's coming out October 20th this year in Japan. Um, it just looks visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gorgeous. There's a lot of um, anthropomorphic animal uh, per, like animation in this, and I think it looks very, very good. Just very visually vibrant and striking. Um, kind of like a... Uh, um, no one's going to get this, but uh, if you, you mixed um, uh, the taxi... Odd Taxi? Uh, Odd Taxi anime that uh, I've talked about and really enjoyed, which has a lot of anthropomorphic animals in it, with um, uh, the Budapest Hotel. I love Grand uh, Budapest Hotel. That, there's a lot of that kind of like vibe of like, if you put those two things together, that's kind of what this looks like. It's my I favorite think it looks very, very cool. Yeah, I thought it looked really, really visually striking. I didn't really know what was going on, but and it was weird that there's real people and anthropomorphic morphic animals for a minute but it looks really really interesting when it's uh, available here I'll, i do want to check it out yeah um all right gamescom 2023 happened this week games, games. um do you guys want to take over or do you want me to do it sure let me pull it up ben you got the list oh. up right yeah, I got, well, I got it, and I definitely want... Then I why don't you to... start, since it's uh, about the most nostalgic bitch thing we could possibly have in the news. <laughs> yeah, it is. The... Oh, God. So, Atari came... They're... I mean, okay. Atari came out, and they announced that they are making a brand new console. It's not a brand new console, as in something that could compete with the PS5, or the Xbox uh, Series X, or Nintendo Switch. No, 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 no. They are essentially remaking their most famous console of all time, the Atari 2600, but they're calling it the Atari 2600 Plus. Now, what makes this a little bit different from like the old, older ones, obviously, is that this console is able to play your current 2600 games and also the Atari 7800 games. I'll get into that in a minute. I know it's confusing. Don't worry. We'll get there. But the new features of this new console is essentially it has an HDMI connection. So if you have an older Atari 2600 console and you probably have like a whole bunch of wires and adapters to plug it into a modern television set, thankfully, it's just HDMI straight in. You don't have to worry about it. It's 80% size original. So kind of think of the mini consoles that we got for the NES, Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. But you can actually use physical cartridges. And when you buy this system, it will come with a 10-in-1 cartridge that has games like Adventure, Combat, uh, Missile Command, and Yars Revenge, which is a big one for me because you guys know I met Howard Scott Warshaw, and Yars Revenge is a good one. But it doesn't have games like Space Invaders or Pac-Man. But thankfully, you could find those on eBay lots and at video game conventions for stupid cheap. Also, it's kind of come out with a price tag of $130, which No, I'm, is, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. Uh, me too. Me too. Everything up until that point, I was in it. 
And I'm like, you know what? If they if they're selling this for like 40, 60 bucks, yeah, I'll pick this up. How is this more expensive than the NES, the PlayStation? How? No. That's crazy, dude. And it's it's a tar okay. Okay, so just in case you're all confused, it's like how you could play twenty six hundred games. I'm not I'm not real quickly, I'm not I'm not defending the price tag because it's ridiculous, but like I guess you could kind of say that like it's that much more because it actually plays cartridges, whereas the other the other consoles they don't. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's I'll you give know, you that. that. And they're not going to make new stuff for it. They're just like here, buy this, so you can play all the games that you either already own or are going to go buy because you have this. That's a, that is a good point. Brandon. That's the only yeah. way they make profit. Yeah. It's a one and done. It's still it's expensive. It's expensive. It's mm-hmm. the only way to make profit unless they do decide to make more ten and ones or they decide to make more reissues of these games. I feel I could see Atari doing that. Um, but. Yeah, just a hundred thirty-eight dollar price tag is kind of is already yikes. And now, just to, and just to to clear the air, there was a system between the Atari uh, twenty-six hundred and seventy-eight hundred. It was called the fifty-two hundred. Um, the the Atari fifty-two hundred. Once again, no one bought it. Not a lot of people were happy about it. But then when the seventy-eight hundred came out, Atari has decided to make it backwards compatible with the twenty-six because that was their most famous console and not a lot of people mm-hmm. cared about the 50 about the 50 um the 52 so that's why because the cartridges for the 78 and the 2600 are the exact same size so that's why i mean it's cool but i don't see a whole lot of 7800 games for sale at conventions anyway this is an extremely this is cool and and actually to bring up brandon's point this is cool for old school collectors who might not be able who might not have a 2600 because those might be more mm-hmm. expensive to get right so like or they're just busted or they're, they're busted so like they yeah yeah this is cool but it is extremely niche because like i'm not gonna i'd rather just get the, the all all in one console i'm not gonna go to ebay to buy an old game but that, no, that's it, other people will no no and actually that was one of the reasons why i partially wanted to defend this because the mm-hmm. idea of itself of have given these game companies re-releasing their older consoles that can play physical media that is already out there in the wild is to me is a good idea because mm-hmm. a lot of these consoles they're getting consoles are getting older the 2600 is one of the oldest consoles that we have that sucker ain't gonna last forever it is probably a freaking miracle that some people can still have working atari 2600s in their living room at this day and time it yeah, is a course. goddamn miracle those suckers are old and ancient and they are probably crumbling on the inside we don't even know it but releasing this because the cartridges have a bit of a longer shelf life, it's a good. I feel that this is like a good idea. Yeah. It's just how much they're asking for at the start is staggering. It is, and and once again, this is a very niche market. As much as I I am interested in this because I love video game history and I know I recognize Atari and I do have a few Atari games that I do want to plug in and play. But at the same time. The Atari 2600, even in the retro gaming circles, is a niche of a niche of a niche. It is way back there as compared to people who love 8-bit retro stuff as a la the um, NES or even the Sega Master System. Mm -hmm. I would argue there's more people who care about the Sega Master System. Well, actually, no, that's live. More people care about the Atari 2600 because it's it's the Atari. But after the 2600, no one gives a shit. And even Uh, just recently – sorry, Sparks, really quick. And just recently, their latest game that they made were with Chris, um, not with Crystal Dynamics, but a different company, where they released a bunch of their old games as a collection, which included every, well, not everything, but a lot of games from the entire console line, including the Atari Lynx and Jaguar. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. 
Oh, that museum so, game. Yeah, the Atari 50. The Atari 50 yeah, anniversary that, no, game. I'm, I, I'm going to get that instead. Yeah, yeah. I would much rather grab that than this. I mean, it would be cool to have like a, a working 2600, and I can know that yeah. a bunch of retro stream streamers, because of the HDMI connections, like just plug into my HDMI and there I go. This is great. It's, it'll be great yeah. for streams. But other than yeah, that, it's like I'll, if I ever pick this up, it's going to be on sale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this does come with two controllers for two player. No, nope, right? one. Jesus Christ. Comes with one controller. A second one is sold separately. That's really funny. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, at least at least I could give them that. And nope. I bet you they're cheap as shit. No, uh, I mean, the only other thing I can I want to say because a lot of the stuff that Atari licensed their stuff out, mostly at games with the at games Atari flashback. Now that feels cheap because, you know, it's at games. They're very, they're very cheap company. Mm -hmm. But with Atari actually making this and putting their brand name on it, I hope that there's a better build quality. Like when Sega, they were making their own mini consoles because they were, let, they gave licenses out to at games as well. At mm -hmm. games made some pretty crappy at home consoles. I mean, the sound emulation was, uh, still have nightmares about it. And then when Sega finally made their own, decent build quality. It feels it's quality. It's like they gave a shit about the UI, they gave a shit about the build, they gave a shit about of the controllers, and everything looked and worked great. The only thing I, the thing I really hope for is that Atari is building the, putting this out. It works and it functions like it's supposed to. Sure. But at the same time, I really, really hope Atari isn't trying to put all their eggs in one basket because we all know yeah. Atari is a dying shelf what they used to be. This is a good step. And I could also kind of see like, hey, remember these other games that we finally got re-licenses for? We're going to put them out again at hopefully at a very discounted price for those old yeah. cartridges. So you could play because I would I could see that. I could see a, a small retro market for this. But that opening price point is just like uh 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 this, this definitely because of the the cartridge factor that you can play original games, this feels like the best version of the the past 10 years, I feel like the last 10 years, I have seen like a million different versions of this or the Intellivision or the ColecoVision. Like this is something like, hey, it's the old box new again. I feel like we've talked about this so many times, mm -hmm. but this one's where it's like, yeah, it's a box and you can play the old stuff on it. Like this one seems like the best offering, but like it is a, a steep incline to buy into first. Yeah. And then you have to go to it, eBay to buy games. And it's like, yeah. that's a rabbit hole you want to go down once you buy that thing. So like, just make hey, sure you want to go down that rabbit hole. And let's just be honest, like just to the average consumer, Ben, not, not specifically to you, but like, games you really gotta want to play listen no 20 year old yeah. wants to play adventure i promise no. you i promise no, no, no. you look i can appreciate atari games for their history but yeah i am not gonna come home from work at night thinking man i can't wait to play space invaders on my 2600 no yeah just just i mean no part tears of the kingdom is right here next yeah. to jedi survivor final fantasy 16 and miles morales uh -huh. don't even say that last one that one doesn't exist <laughs> yeah. um once again i feel like the idea is good it's just that opening my biggest complaint is the opening price point um but i will say because there are atari flashback compilations out there for the playstation and of course we have the atari 50 that has a bunch of games from their entire lineup of consoles this will give you if you want or if you're craving that true authentic experience with the atari joystick then this is this is the way to go yeah right other than that i really i'm just like this is a cool nostalgia trap i like the idea 
part of me kind of hopes that wants other companies to do this so that way they can because we all know that there's games out there there's resellers there you can there's conventions where there's so many games out being sold for all these sort of consoles and and it makes sense it's like hey here's something that works in the 21st century you can hook it up to a television set we format it it's and it's a it's a good idea it's just the opening the the pay to the the price for admissions is just too high well ben it sounds really great for when you retire at 90 and you're ready to crack into that ancient backlog now yeah. uh, yeah. how we <laughs> go on to the rest of the gamescom trailers yeah let's do it ben why don't you take us into the next one since it's our boy our uh, boy not your boy I, our boy it is yeah, our boy sonic superstars they had a multiplayer trailer released and I'm still really excited for this game, guys. Um, awesome robots. I did not expect uh, customizable metal uh, that characters, that's but cool. that's cool. That is pretty freaking rad, if you ask me. I uh, This reminds me of when the Mario games start adding multiplayer, and it's really chaotic, and like you can kill your friends and stuff. And like you, you just be floating around in a bubble. Uh, I wonder if it's going to have like that type of chaos where it's a little more controlled. Um, honestly? I, I personally love chaos. Honestly? Chaos Emeralds. Like as I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before, but when I would play Sonic Three on my PC, I would play with my little brother because you could play as Tails, and even on Sonic Two, you plug in a second controller, the second person can control Tails. They don't die, you don't lose lives. It's essentially they're cannon fodder. <laughs> they're just mm -hmm. there to help you get rings and also to give the little brother something to do. I think that this they're gonna have a little bit of that in this new in the same screen multiplayer, but maybe with a little bit more. Is like you gotta pay attention, as in okay, you have someone who's like the main character, but the player two is like, no, you still have lives. You still have to like do your stuff. There's a score for you too. It's not just, I'm just tagging along and having fun. It's, the only uh, thing that I'm, that I'm partially worried about is like, because Sonic is primarily obviously like a single player game and like you, you go fast and you're trying to go across the screen pretty fast. If you have four people and one person's trying to go fast off screen, are you just like not going to be able to go forward? Just, you have to You have to all progress at the same speed the entire time because that seems yeah. like it would slow down the game entirely. It would. <clears throat> it would. Um, I think that's just the, not going to be part of the structure, to yeah. be honest with you. It's going to be more like a Mario game? I think it's going to be, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because in that's like in games man. like Sonic 2 or Sonic 3, when Sonic would just be like running off screen and player 2 was just back, they would just be left behind. And then a few seconds yeah. later, yeah, they yeah. would just like, like Tails would just like fly back down. It's like, okay, I'm rejoining you now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know yeah, if I'm they're going to do that with the player 1, player 2, or even... I, I we still don't know because the trailer was the trailer we saw was just very like look how many people can play on screen at one time which is good and also that multiplayer like spark said the making your own avatars as metal characters is it's like mario kart awesome i am or, all for that or alternatively it's a race you have the four screens and you're following your character and you are racing. I didn't even consider that. Them. There might be actually, there could be co-op co and competitive yeah. multiplayer. I didn't even consider that Sparks. That's actually brilliant. 10 out of 10 right. game. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm, yeah, hell yeah. That I want that. A Sonic Race, that actually is brilliant. I didn't even consider it. Yeah. Watch it uh, not in the game. Oh, <laughs> oh, Ryan, don't do this to me. Sorry. All right. Uh, next up, Marvel Snap. The new cinematic trailer created by the Lion Animation to celebrate the launch of the game on PC. Uh, Ryan plays a little, hell of a lot more Marvel Snap than I do. Uh, Sparks, do you yeah. play Marvel Snap? Yep, Sparks plays Marvel Snap. Brand, do you play Marvel Brandon, Snap? Brandon, did you at least watch this trailer? Did indeed. Okay. okay, cool. 
I watched uh, this trailer four times. It's incredible. And they've done a, every season gets like a new animated trailer where fight people are fighting and they're changing, changing realities, changing art styles. Uh, this is exceptional. Uh, there's not really any like, like Marvel Snap is now on PC. Like it was a spoiler. It was already on PC. Now it's just optimized better. People didn't realize that it's been on PC since launch. Um, but now it looks good, which is really helpful for streaming, which I might do. Um, it's just a beautiful animation. It's like, wow, Marvel animation can do this. Why aren't we doing this all so this the time? By a company called The Line Animation. I highly recommend you guys check out their portfolio. They've done some really cool stuff. And even stuff for Marvel. They've, they've worked for Marvel before. I think Marvel Snap specifically. Um, yeah. This uh, this is incredible. Like, yeah. divorced from Marvel Snap, which is not a game I play, this is an incredible little proof of concept awesome little thing with great animation different styles of animation different styles of animated characters great uh a great squirrel girl transformation sequence that's just so cool um slate uh freaking ghost rider super saiyan like it's cool the, man. the thing that is so impressive about this trailer is it's not just a beautifully animated piece for marvel it's also fully representative of the game mm -hmm. it is you are seeing multiple variants of heroes fight each other over over cosmic cubes that's what you're doing in the game uh, it is a very much more simple card game, but that is a literal visual. Hey, we are fighting over these cubes with different versions of ourselves. Uh, incredible. Uh, the game's the the most fun card game I've played in a long time, just because how simple it is and how uh, simple to learn, uh, hard to master uh, type of approach. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a great game. I love playing. And it, it makes you want more Marvel animation. hundred percent. Like I'm like yeah. this pissed me off. Like why? Like can we get like an animated show that looks like this? Hell yeah. It, it's kind. Of, it kind of reminds me of like from the uh, some of the Smash Brothers reveal trailers, um, especially for Ultimate, how they would like introduce a few characters or even before Ultimate in um for Wii U and 3DS, like there was a full on anime style fight scene between Link and Dark Pit. Mm hmm. And it was a Smash Bros. trailer, and everyone was screaming to the heavens, like, how come we don't have a Smash Bros. anime like this? This is amazing. Um, yeah, the animation was absolutely gorgeous. I, the, the second Squirrel Girl came out as a zombie, then turned into a magical girl. I'm like, this is just so freaking cool. I love it. I love every second of it. And even, like as you said, there or Brandon said, Super Saiyan Ghost Rider, the constant changing of the like Deadpool, like how he looks, and he looks like a Fleischer cartoon, and then he's like the comic book Deadpool we know and same with Ghost Rider and Squirrel Girl. It's just like that because they have variants like that. They have all these different variants and it's very representative of the game. It's like, you know what? I'm going to, I mean, I never downloaded Marvel Snap on my phone. It's like, okay, yeah. I got to get back into this. This is uh, definitely this check is out the cool. other, the other animated clips that they've made for this game throughout the year. Uh, it's great. They're, they're fantastic. Definitely. Um, all right. I, all right. I, I was going to say something, but I forgot. All right. Uh, Thank goodness you're here. Thank goodness we are here. Boy, howdy, does this look like a stupid good time? Like, what if an Adult Swim show was a game you could play? I felt like this was more of like, what if an absurdist British comedy show was turned into a video game? Yeah, it has that. Like it. it has that energy to it. It was the whole time I'm watching this trailer. I'm like, what is going on? Is this a? I mean, I love how the animation looks like a. Um, it looks like a Cartoon Network cartoon or Adult Swim style cartoon in the vein of gumball slash regular show but it's just or flapjack and it's just like i'm trying to figure out what the i mean this is just an announcement trailer but still it's like what is going you've piqued I my think interest it's, but it's it's like a not side it's it's like a, it's a narrative adventure i felt it's a narrative adventure you're I going felt, like uh, screen, screen, basically. i felt a little bit of untitled goose game yeah 
yeah. style to it. Yeah. Um, it's it's just kooky and weird, and I'm immediately appealed to it because it's kooky and weird. It, yeah, it's, it looks like a really, really striking visually as a game. Yeah, really good time. Really goofy time. Yeah. Yeah, it just it just looks weird because I was trying to I was like, is this like for kids? Is it not for kids? Because I could swore I saw like a few sexual innuendo jokes in the trailer. Ooh knows we'll see we'll see heck if i know but we'll definitely find out this is definitely something that's on my radar now for sure awesome um, i assume brandon it. has something to say about it so let's move on to the next one uh damn it i missed death ground i didn't watch death ground i didn't know that was on the list death ground is um a multiplayer Pause. uh alan wake 2 you missed it i mean we can go back but like we can just talk about oh death yeah because he brought it up yeah um oh yeah i didn't watch this one this is the dinosaur one yes uh so you you're doing multiplayer dealing with dinosaurs uh trying to survive um the 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 actual like in-game mechanics seem like they could be a lot of fun um i i need to see more but i'm intrigued all i'm saying i want, I want a fun time with my friends and dinosaurs oh I boy i, I got know, a game i know <laughs> I know Exoprimal is right. If there. you want a more boring version of that, then this does look like that. No, this is a more suspenseful version. <laughs> sure, sure. Of that. It's and, more I'm, more... and I'm intrigued. No, I get you. I get you. Yeah. I do want a suspenseful dinosaur game. Um, and I want one that works. And sure. this might be it. We'll see. I feel you. I hope so. Yeah. Hopefully. Brandon, thoughts uh, on this one? Uh I was just gonna reiterate what you said. Okay. Suspenseful dinosaur game. We're here for it. Yeah. Hopefully it's good. Okay, Alan Wake 2. Yeah, Alan Wake 2. So, I saw the trailer. I had to rewatch it again, or I had to look it up and make sure I watched the right trailer, because on the our thing, it said gameplay trailer. I'm like, this was like a minute and a half. Did I watch the right one? And it turns out I did watch the right one. And also, did they put live-action elements in there, or did games just get that good? Oh, Ben, uh, welcome to Remedy, where they've been putting live-action in their games for 10 years. Um, Remedy is one of my favorite studios of all time. Control is one of my top five games of all time. That came out in 2019. Uh, that is a horror sci-fi game uh, in the vein of like X-Files uh, and Fringe, whereas Alan Wake is their twin, literally their Twin Peaks inspiration. Uh, the first game is about a small town and crazy stuff happening. The second game, now that you've seen Twin Peaks Return, is literally just doing Twin Peaks the sequel. Uh, it is about an evil, dark version of Alan Wake coming alive. Uh, Alan Wake, spoiler for a 12-year-old game, Alan Wake at the end of that game, he got trapped in the dark place. It's like an evil nightmare zone. Uh, and 10 years later, he's still trapped in it, and it is becoming, because he lived there for so long, it is becoming the New York City that he grew up in living. So the real-life nightmare that he grew up in is becoming his actual nightmare uh, reality. Uh, and it just looks incredibly sick. The stuff you mentioned with the live-action band, it's stuff they've been doing for literally a decade. Um, there was a Xbox One game called Quantum Break, starring Aiden Gillen, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, and Sean Astin, Iceman. And that is a game where there was a literally a six-hour TV show in between the chapters of the game you played. And when you did stuff in the game, it changed the directive of the TV show. Not a good game. One of Remedy's worst games. Great idea. Wait, wait, it's a TV sorry. show in the middle of the gameplay. You watch a 30-minute TV show yeah. when you play the game after, in the middle of it. I got I got caught off guard because you said Sean Astin and then Iceman. Oh, Sean <laughs> Ashmore. Oh, there we go. Oh. Thank you. I Nobody was like... Me. I need to <laughs> here. I was like, wait a minute, but Sean Astin is Samwise. Well, yeah, that's why you gotta like, Yeah. That's why we're all we're all nerds. We don't know this stuff. Yeah. All right. Well now that we're all here, yeah, yeah. Uh Sean Ashmore. Yeah, that was a that's a quantum break's not a game yeah, anyone yeah. cares about. Uh they've been doing 
Control specifically has the scariest, coolest live action stuff where you'll be walking down a hallway and then a projection behind you projects live action footage in front of you as you're walking down a hallway. It's incredibly moody, incredibly spooky, incredibly atmospheric. And this looks like one of the spookiest games I've ever played. Uh, I'm going to play in my entire life because yes. Alan Wake 1, they don't consider it a horror game. And that game is effing terrifying. So when they actually make a horror game, it looks like this. And Ben, I think you think this trailer looks probably, probably a little spooky, right? A little spooky? Yeah, just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alan Wake, they're incorporating real-life footage of the actual actor who plays Alan Wake, the voice actor, and he looks like Alan Wake, so they can do the live action directly into gameplay, directly into live action, and we have the technology to make it seamless, is, is insane. And no studio is trying to, like, bend reality in games the way that Remedy is doing. Um, it's just insane. It looks so cool. And we're at a point in video games where lighting is so important, specifically in like horror games. Ben, you're playing Dead Space right now, so you know how good lighting is right now. Uh, I'm just so excited. The entire point of Alan Wake is to shoot people with flashlights, uh, the demons, before you can kill them, because that's their shield. Um, and it looks exceptional. It looks so scary. It looks so good. Uh, Alan Wake is not one of their most popular games, but it is a cult classic, one of the, like, the most biggest cult classics in, in modern video game history. And they got to make a huge budgeted sequel that's also in the Control universe. Uh, it's a dream come true. This is really like a lot of people's most anticipated game because it just looks, it looks unreal. Like it looks really, really exceptional. Oh, it was made on Unreal? It was, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what engine that those babies are using. Yeah, Alan Wake's great. Ben, you'll play an hour of it. You'll get a sense of it. Yep. So I what will. I'm hearing is the base arcade, uh, Spooktober. He's definitely playing Alan Wake one for at least an hour. At least, at least. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, me again. Oh boy. Web, web of weird. weird. The announcement. I date. learned today it's not the web of weird. The web of web word. Of, web of it's word. The web of word. word. Yep. It's the web of word. That makes sense. Um. Uh. Yeah. It's you know uh, uh Gaelic. Uh, uh, pronunciations uh -huh. and whatnot. Um, yeah, this is uh, now that we know what this game is, this is a considerably smaller game than anticipated. It's a roguelike, so like it is a precisely generated dungeon crawler. So you're going to be going from uh, zone to zone, killing different bad guys, armoring up, getting new stuff, and if you die, you'll restart. So like it is a NDS indie game, um, but it looks really fun. Like this is a twenty thirty dollar game. I'm totally into it. Uh, Lance Reddick, rest in peace. He is Hellboy. Uh, it's got a great art style. It's doing a lot of original stuff, but also incorporating stuff from the comics. It just looks like a great time. Uh, I'm I'm totally here for it. Yep. Yeah, I the art style alone looks absolutely amazing. And yeah. I'm just I mean for a while I was like, did they say the right thing? Because I was still pronouncing it weird, but it is word, so I'm like, okay. Well it makes sense because it's worm, right? W Y R M is worm. Right, yep. right. It's just um, yeah, to, yeah, when they put is Y's a, by the way, this I know you, you singled out Ryan about about this one, but this is all of us. Like we're all excited for this one um this one looks really looks really great i want to I, I love the art style i love i really love lance reddick's voice for hellboy mm -hmm. um yeah I'm, I'm i'm stoked for this one. Hell yeah yeah and finally i know a game that we're all super excited for mortal kombat one rulers of outworld trailer we're all here we're all here together now we all are here and i'm so happy about it um this We've been getting a trailer basically every single week, or almost every single week for Mortal Kombat, and every one has been a banger. Uh, this one's probably my favorite because it is like, I love Shao Kahn. He is one of my favorite villains in, in fiction. He's just a big bad man who wants power, right? Um, and what I love about MK1 is Liu Kang was like, I'm restarting the universe, right? But I'm giving everybody a second chance. I'm giving everybody a second chance, even the worst criminals imaginable. And that's a really nice thing for him to do. 
Uh, so what happens, it looks like things are going to continue to happen the way that Destiny is supposed to happen. Shao Kahn, who is known as General Shao, uh, he's even more dragon-like than before. And they hint at his father, and I think they're doing a different timeline thing, where his father is the Dragon Lord Onaga. So that's going to be a big fun thing, because he's got big-ass dragon hordes like Dragon Lord Onaga. Mm -hmm. That's some MK Deadly Lion shit, baby. Um, uh, Sindel is here. She's the ruler of Outworld. Uh, she has some type of alliance with Shao Kahn, but they're not together yet. So I'm wondering if Sindel will be a good force or a bad force or a neutral force because like she's just a bad lady. Um, it's so fascinating, man. I'm I'm so excited for the story. Like again, we're all now caught up. Um, what's the most exciting now that we've seen all of these trailers, all these characters? What is like the most exciting thing for you guys jumping into this new universe? I have a question. Yes. About about this trailer and if it's in the DLC that we haven't played, don't answer it. Okay. Um, Katana. There hasn't really been a sense in these trailers that Katana and Liu Kang, like Katana. You need to play the DLC. Okay, that's what that's what. Yeah, I absolutely, for. absolutely. The I will say as much as I I love MK11, the DLC feels it is it is critically important, and I just don't think they had it finished in time, so they had to make a DLC. But it it is the true ending of MK11. So like, there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen yet that we okay. we that should have been in that game. Um, that's why I was curious because we get a little bit of Katana in this game, and obviously we got we, in this trailer. We got her in the the trailer with uh, the, where we meet uh, Melina also. Yes. Um, so I was and where Katana ends, where we're currently at with Mortal Kombat 11, which is the end of the base game. Um, I was just confused if if something happened in between that we hadn't seen or we have seen, but now I know. DLC. Yeah, yeah. There's a little more, a little more between them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this looks really awesome. I love this. Uh, especially now coming off of 11, like I'm super stoked for this. Um, I really, I really love yeah, little, little, little Raiden. Um, when he's just like the little the, Raiden, the, the champion, the champion of of Earthrealm is is this dweeby looking Raiden dude. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Like Zhao Kong's like, like, you guys keep getting smaller every year. Like it's it's him and um it's him and Kung Lao. They're the they're friends in this, not Liu Kang and Kung Lao. I think I think that's really cool. Um, I love the stuff with with General Shao. That's really cool. Also, yeah, I'm 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 really stoked for this. I'm excited uh, because it looks like they're going harder on the idea of creating lore and story than they ever have for a single game before. Yeah. Um, and wanting to like really give you a sense of it, it, this feels even more than like the 10 where we had got the combat kids and yeah. we were further in the future and everything like we we really want to give you something that is new and foundational. And, and even if not all elements will stay permanent and the same, like this is kind of going to be a new template of things going forward. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of commitment to that and a lot of commitment in a lot of different ways for different characters that they want to do that. And if I had a wish list item, mm -hmm. it's that I only need him to be a playable character. I just want to know he's there. I want to see general Kotal uh also i uh, it around i i don't want to give you bad news but we've we no. pretty much have confirmed the cast for everybody and the cameos and um he might be a a a small he literally, cameo he literally can just be referenced in the he, scene i think he will. like he just appears that way yeah i just want to know he's here yes and around and we can get him again i can almost guarantee you there will be a moment between general shall and like and general code that's I, I, I think that can happen. That's what I want. Yeah. Uh, like he doesn't need to be anything more than that. I just want to. I want to see him for a brief moment, just to know, like, we're gonna get you back. Baby. I love we're you're on the total train. Another game. Yeah. The total train. Total's one of really, my favorite. I really love that Netherrealm and Mortal Kombat like are doing this idea of Mortal Kombat One coming off of this coming off of this previous game and doing like 
because like Mortal Kombat 9 is like, okay, well, how do we reboot? What do we what is that? What is this reboot gonna look like? So they did that and they followed that story thread to its uh to to where it could lead and they had diverging interest and then they followed that all the way through. And then they're like, okay, what if we do it harder? What if we do a much harder reset? Um, what's that going to look like? And I like, again, that they're following through with this thread of like, okay, well, if Liu Kang had to reset the universe, what would that look like? Who would he want to be like, hey, I want to... Like, we saw Raiden at the end of Mortal Kombat 11 where we're at, uh, and he's he looks like Raiden, but he just doesn't have his powers anymore. Okay, well, what what does it look like when Liu Kang decides to make to give what 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 is what is Raiden's reward in this new timeline what is who what whose lives are changed whose lives are the same who gets the second chance because we talked about it in Mortal Kombat 11 this for what our discussion spoilers for our discussion i guess but like the Mortal Kombat universe as sparks observed it feels like evil is always meant to win like if earth if earthrealm won earthrealm won a tournament and won the the 10th tournament but outworld just uh just came anyway um so like it doesn't so like no matter what they do they're constantly fighting against this idea that uh evil is always meant to win okay so what does it look like when a when the 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 chosen one resets that timeline to its very beginning yes i think that's really interesting this is absolutely the thing i'm the most fascinated about because despite this being a reboot there are characters who have prior knowledge of the previous universe and stuff right like luke king um and apparently maybe other characters too. Um, there's been, because this is Gamescom, there's been more than this trailer that's come out. There's all been a lot more about this, like about the adventure mode, all the different cameos, all the different costumes, um, other characters. Chronica is in the game. So we know the villain from the last game is in this game in some capacity. And that makes me really excited. A lot of people uh, weren't excited because like, no, leave Chronica behind. But I'm like, you know, man, if I was the leader of the of, of the universe and I got deposed, I'd be mad about it probably, right? So, like, I don't mind that the person who ruled the universe is coming back to get mad about it. Um, I understand that feels like maybe re, uh, re rehashing old stuff because they're trying to do new stuff. But also, this is an entire game about reusing old stuff in new ways. So, like, I don't mind uh, using Chronica again in some capacity. Um, I'm so curious. The, the, the tagline is in, it's in our blood. And, Brandon, the whole thing about it always feels like the villains, like, the villains are always on, on like the outreach. They're always winning. Like Luke Kane gave everybody a clean slate, but people still turned out bad no matter what. That is so fascinating to me. Like destiny, it is destiny for Shao Kahn to be an asshole. It is destiny for Shang Tsung to want to eat your soul. Melina, we talked about with the with the Tarkatan, does it with the Tarkatan stream turn into a disease? Almost like maybe Luke Kane was like, okay, in this timeline there won't be Tarkatans, but because the timeline demands it. It created the Tarkatan, this Tarkatan disease, which infected Melina to create this idea that Melina is always destined to have the the Baraka mouth. It feels almost like a like a balance of the force thing, where like we yeah. have to have a lot of shitty things happen for our heroes to triumph. It's like the opposite. Like evil prevails, but we need our heroes to show up every once in a while. So the opposite. Um, it's just it's really cool. It's you know we talked about it with with the Star Trek episode of Strange New Worlds, um, with this idea that time always tries to to uh um set itself to write itself this idea that you know in, in mortal Kombat 11 like chronica is like t- the timeline was never supposed to turn out this way um that's like her that's how she gets everyone kind of on her side um and and this idea that like even if the timeline starts this way and we even saw it in like the 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 the, epi- the who's the sandman dude um gears in mortal Kombat, gears uh, gears even says uh, uh mapping a timeline is difficult isn't it luke Kang? Um, like he's taunting Luke King because this is much harder than Luke King had anticipated it would be. Uh, because seemingly, 
perhaps the timeline is trying to write itself. Like that is just the nature of time that there are certain things that you can't change a river. You can't change the direction of a certain river. Right. Absolutely. That's why I'm so interested mostly in um, Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Now they're, they're actually brothers. And what does that do for the, the dynamic of all of them and the other brother who ends up dying and becoming Noob Saibot? Uh, that's so all like all the robot stuff. Like I'm so curious how it all, again, destiny finds a way. And I'm just curious, like, does Netherroom feel like this is a universe where things have to happen a certain way? Like, is history going to repeat itself? Or are they, like, they can get away from it? I'm really curious where they see with this new universe. Well, even in Mortal Kombat 9, when when they try to be like, okay, the second Sub-Zero becomes Smoke, right? Noob Saibot? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the second Sub-Zero becomes this, this, this robot. We cannot let that happen. So by trying to prevent it, the first Sub-Zero becomes Noob Saibot. Yeah. So this idea yeah. that, that the timeline is always trying to pull itself into a certain direction, no matter how much you... I'm so curious to know how they handle it. Yeah, Luke King's just like, hey, how about all these guys are friends and their brothers? Nothing bad can happen there, right? Like, I don't yeah. know, Lou. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Scorpion becomes Noob Saibot. <laughs> That'd be sick. I'm very excited to play it. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm, this is the most I've been excited, not just for like a fighting game, but like like... I just love the lore of Mortal Kombat so much. And like, there is no fighting game. Well, that's not true. Every fighting game now does what Mortal Kombat does because Tekken and Street Fighter have adopted the chapter uh, story mode thing of Mortal Kombat. So like, they're all doing it. But Mortal Kombat is still the best in my opinion. They really have a grasp on how to tell great narratives in, you know, relatively short amount of time and like have every every fight be fun. And like, it's just, they're really good at their craft. All right. That's it. Yep. Anything you guys want to bring up about Gamescom before we before we end the show? No, it was an entire week of Gamescom. There are so many uh, game announcements. Uh, mostly, Gamescom was a hey, these games are coming out. So like, we didn't talk about Lies of P or Starfield or like you know Armor Core came out on Friday. So like, there's a lot more announcements, but these are all things we've talked about before. So like, you know, it's all there. Go check out the other websites for it. Yeah. All right. So that will do it, guys. That's the show. Thank you for joining us once again. We will be back in two weeks once again, taking the next week off. And we'll say I'll say this every week, unless the strike ends, we're not coming back. Yeah. Um, so that that is kind of our barometer of like, well, if the strike ends, yeah, we'll be back next week. However, it is very unlikely the strikes will end by the end of next year. So who knows? We'll see. Um, the 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 proposal that the AMPTP has given has proven that we're we're still in for a, a long fight. This is not close to ending. Um, but we'll see. All right, guys. Um, you can, of course, check out some other shows on this channel, such as Conversation. Uh, my latest episode with Travis Bow uh, from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. You can check that out linked below. Uh, of course, there's another episode coming this week, hopefully, um, with a talk to Mark Reed. I forgot the podcast name, but I'll find out and I'll let you guys know when the episode comes out. Um, Basement Arcade, we talked about Mortal Kombat a lot just now. Mortal Kombat X, the final episode, is up now. You can check that out on Basement Arcade. And Fickner, Fickner Book Club has Shield, uh, Architects of Forever, my book club. Uh, coming up, more Fickner Book Club. Uh, there's Wasted Space, and there's another there's another cycle. 20th Century Men yep. coming soon. So, Animation Station. Also, there's some Star Trek book clubs that I'm working through. So, stay tuned. Plenty, a lot of book club stuff coming, guys, and a lot of Basement Arcade stuff coming, guys. Um, Animation Station. Uh, ben and I did Digimon, and we will continue to do Digimon for a while. Uh, the real score, Mythalanian Cinephiles, and Fickner's Watch are all on hiatus due to the strikes. Uh, so stay tuned when those are over for new episodes there. 
So, of course, you can check out our Patreon or our T Public if you'd like to support us financially. We greatly appreciate all of your help, all of your support. If you want, if you'd like to, you can find those links below or on our website at bicknerpodcast.com, where you can also find uh, links to all the shows that we do and their statuses in regards to the strike. Thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. And thank you to everyone who watches the rewind after this show goes up. We greatly appreciate all the support. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. Jeremy Bellucci, a co-host of The Real Score, a host of Suburban Proctologist, host and creator of Suburban Proctologist. Uh, new episode's coming soon. He recently put up an announcement about some exciting things for Suburban Proctologist. So Damn. stay tuned for that. Um, you can find him at Jeremy Bellucci underscore Wreck of Time on Instagram or on this podcast, Suburban Proctologist Official on Facebook or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Of course, subscribe to it. Check out the YouTube channel. There's a YouTube channel now. You can uh, and be like, hey, I'm gonna what it was. What's the term we we used to use? Sparks. I'm gonna George Lucas the shit out of this. Mm-hmm. He's doing that to Suburban Proctologist. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, guys. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola, a wonderful collaborator of ours. We love him dearly. He did a couple of our logos, and you can check out, of course, uh, him and his artwork at Mike Patola on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Victor Podcast. Victorguys at gmail.com. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for CBR.com, AtomicKingdom.com, where I have a new article up now, and KaijuRamenMedia.com, where I'm also the website editor. Uh, ben, where can people find you? Well, you can find me at BenMagna27 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Threads. And you can also find me writing for Fusion Gaming Magazine, Old School Gamer Magazine, GoNintendo.com, and playing Mary Frankenstein on D&D. Sparks? Uh, you can find me doing too much editing at Sparks Witty on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. And Ryan? You can find me uh, snapping up those cosmic cubes, because I love Marvel Snap, at DJ Tony Snark. All right, guys, subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Rate and review wherever you get us. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. Very important. And until next time we see us, guys, stay fake, nerds. <laughs>